Christian Bale goes full psycho, South Park's naughtiest episode yet, and you can do what you want to do in living color. This week on 302010. Hi everybody, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine taking you back 30, 20, and 10 years. Back in time, uh, back to the releases of your favorite movies, TV shows, video games, music, and more. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antison, who is with us. Get up, get, get down. Diana Goodman is a joke in your town. I don't know what that means. It's me, Sarah. Oh, Sarah, you're going to be kicking your own white ass in just a few seconds. Um, always do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to the 302010 uh, show that is brought to you almost entirely by uh, listener support. Thank you very much to executive producer Adam Foote and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time who support the whole laser time network. And they get a bonus episode of 302010 this week uh, about the video games going in depth with video game apocalypses. Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Pars, Maddie Allen, and myself. Hi, no more plugs. Uh, welcome to 302010, where we ask you to sit down, open up a portal back in time to this very week, April 10th to the 16th in 1990, 2010. We're going to look back at all the anniversaries from 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago. How about that? This episode has is the first thing I'm like afraid to talk about. But I can't wait to try. <laughs> um, yeah, like it just where like ah, oh, like time and research failed me, and this is going to get weird. So stick around and find out what that is. Uh, let's begin as we always do. 1990, April 10th through the 16th. In a little bit of news to bring you into the decade, junk bond financier Michael Milken pleads guilty to fraud, uh, is ordered to pay half a billion dollars in restitution and 10 years in prison. Of course, he served three. Hmm. Yep. We're, we're in the era still of all kinds of, there's Wall Street shenanigans, there's a savings and loan scandal fallout still. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the big lesson there is the economy is fake and white men never go to jail. True. It's uh, it's it's not too difficult to be on good behavior if all you did was fake checks. Uh, you can't really do that in prison. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, also on the, in this week, Pulitzer Prize. There's a lot of Pulitzer Prizes this week, aren't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just we hit that magic time where the Pulitzers come out. Pulitzer Pissing Prize uh, for Drama goes to The Piano Lesson by August Wilson. And Pulitzer Prize for Fiction goes to Mambo Kings Play Songs of Love by Oscar he, 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 oh goodness, I lost that J right in the middle of it. Hielos. Hielos. Yes, congratulations. And I'm assuming Full House won something there. Best sitcom, sure. Pulitzer Prize for Best Sitcom. <laughs> it's the, you know, what probably should have won uh, <laughs> Best Independent Movie in 1990, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's number one at the box office. I can't stop saying how much I love it. It's the first movie I went and watched again after we did the show instead of before. Yeah. Even though I did watch it before, I just love it that much. And my whole, every one quarantine in my house seemed to agree it's time to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles again. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you got to go with that flow. Here's a movie I've never heard of, and it's the only movie of 1990. Dudley Moore, Daryl Hannah, Paul Reiser, J.T. Walsh, Denton Stone, and crazy people. Advertising executive Emery Leeson went crazy one day. Let's level with America. We can't level. We're in advertising. Metamucil. It helps you go to the toilet. If you don't use it, you'll get cancer and die. Which turned out to be a brilliant career move. 
Sorry, folks, I haven't anymore. There's a run on Metamucil. Crazy people. Goodbye, Joy, Puerto Rico. Rated R. See, like you say, all the movies from the 80s are behind us. This is the most <laughs> 80s movie I have it ever feels seen. very 80s. Yep. I mean, Although, the Dudley Moore and Daryl Hannah of it all. Yeah. yeah. Although their, their second unit shot like just streets in, in New York, clearly right before the movie came out, because you can see movie theaters playing loose cannons and tremors. <laughs> oh, wow. Which are just weeks old. That's yeah. Crazy. That was kind of surprising. So I tried to watch this and my Good computer refused. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it just refused to let it load just i got about 15 minutes in and i was like okay i think i'm good it just spinning and spinning I, I, sometimes I like the, the machines know best i like the know? idea of your computer being like uh i could show your itinerary or something better to do like uh, <laughs> you should not be doing this i know what you like yeah. and you will not like this clippy comes out and it's like i see you're trying to watch crazy people may i recommend making a resume <laughs> sometimes it's more it's more important to be honest than thorough maybe <laughs> and the only fun thing i read about this is that a bunch of directors were fired blah 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 but i don't know how you replace john malkovich with dudley moore and end up with the same movie but that's Whoa. apparently what happened john that malkovich is, walked off this movie that i mean he's not really a guy you think of for comedy especially mm-hmm. wacky comedy i mean this the whole movie just the, the little bit that i got to watch and then reading the synopsis is like this is an snl sketch that's been stretched out to an hour and a half yeah i saw the uh, idea of uh, an ad exec just telling the truth in every ad volvos they're boxy but they're safe i I saw roger ebert's review and like there is like nothing to latch on to here there's no romantic interest there's not even a woman in the film (laughs) like well no there's daryl hannah that's part of his his complaint was like we don't need a romantic interest. Why are you creating this pointless subplot? Yeah. Yeah. This movie seems fucking nuts, but you know what? Uh, sorry, Diana. Thanks for taking a bullet for everyone. <laughs> well, I tried. I was trying to take the bullet and then the computer took the bullet from me. Uh, see, uh, not everything's going to go well. It, like, it, I just want to, Never mind. I'm not going to go into that right now. Happy quarantine. Everyone. I hope you're staying safe. We are still uh, recording remotely. We still encourage you to socially distance Yourself from the Pat Say Jack Show. <laughs> uh, moving to TV of 1990, April 10th to the 16th, the Pat Say Jack Show finale, which is, I don't know, usually when they cancel something, uh, it's mm-hmm. not filmed day to day. So it's just like, yeah, you're canceled. And Pat Say Jack says, ah, I'm just going to come in four days a week then. <laughs> and so yeah. his, his, his finale was, host, was had a guest host, uh, Paul oh. Rodriguez. Pat Say Jack did not show up for the finale of his own show. Just he didn't is, give a shit. Ugh. Yeah, I was looking into the Pat Sajak show just a little bit before the show, and we did not cover, actually, uh, about two weeks earlier, March 30th, it was guest hosted by Rush Limbaugh, which was (laughs) such a contentious episode that instead of doing like a regular talk show situation, he went into the audience to get audience reactions about a abortion bill from Idaho that would have restricted abortion. Got into a fight with a couple people in the audience and then claimed that the viewing public, there's an underlying prejudice against him in the next. Because commercial. you're mean. Yeah. <laughs> Why is After- this so weird? 
because you're a piece of shit. Like, uh, yeah, everyone hates you. In the next segment, then he attempted to address affirmative action where people stood up and screamed at him from the audience and he sat in silence for a full minute. This is like all according to just like stuff I read. No, there's screaming at him. It's supposed to be a, a talk show and Pat Sajak is like the least offensive person. He's oatmeal as a human yes he's and you're gonna bring well, on rush limbaugh to go after literally the most red meat topics he, possible he's, he's you the guy bring up gun control in 1990 next? in 1990 and then after the the next commercial break they had cleared the audience out of the studio <laughs> by the way so, the show was so unremarkable those are some of the only clips that survive yeah because uh some diehard ditto head that's what they're called right uh mm-hmm. preserve them on youtube forever after but uh, wonderful. On uh, uh, speaking of fucking like '80s hangover, SNL uh, is on this uh, this week on the 14th with your host Corbin Burnson and the Smithereens. Uh, yeah, I, I watched. I looked. I looked at a couple clips. Nothing terribly notable. Uh, Corbin Burnson is sort of a bizarre celebrity who was very very huge at this point and this point only. He's yeah, like an action do. man. <laughs> Excuse me. He's like an action man. No, okay. he's from L.A. Law. Oh, okay. Did they do an L.A. Law parody? Yes. I hope they did. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but to me, he's the dentist, and that's what he'll always be. Uh, ah, yes. I, I know him from, I think he was on Psych, I want to say. Yes. The he, USA show, Characters Welcome. Mm-hmm. He's a brief role in uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And on the 15th uh, uh, episode of The Simpsons, I really like. As far as, like, it's really early, all the colors are wrong, and the voices are wrong, and here's characters you'll never need to know. Uh, the Crepes of Wrath, where Bart ends up getting expelled from school, uh, and they, not expelled, but then they get involved. Get involved in the in the exchange student exchange shoots. I have not had enough to drink. I mean, liquid, by the way. The exchange student program, and ends up uh, living in France for a while. But of course, he's used to make wine by two angry. Mm-hmm. In one of the Simpsons, other than a poo, has steered clear of a lot of stereotypes. But like, oh wow, this is what people thought of Frenchmen in nineteen ninety. <laughs> That's a pretty benign one. I feel like it is. Yeah, it is. There. Especially because the French just love themselves so right. much. Right. You know, usually, like, when in doubt, if they got white skin, they probably deserve it. Um, and and uh, it also is the debut of Agnes Skinner. And her nickname for uh, Principal Skinner. Good morning, Mr. Skinner. Morning, boys. Why haven't you introduced me to any of your students, Spanky? (laughs) (laughs) Well? Mother, I would like you to meet Milhouse, Lewis, Richard, and Bart Simpson. This is the Bart Simpson you're always talking about? Mm Mm-hmm. But he looks so sweet. I am, ma'am. Simpson, let's move on now, Mother, shall we? <laughs> Who could forget a uh, Richard and Lewis? Richard, yeah. Uh, but uh, oh, Mrs. Skinner sounds so sweet and nice. Well, Bart then flushes a cherry bomb down the toilet, and we don't see what happens as to Agnes. We just hear cries of pain, and <laughs> mm, that's what did it, huh? That's Matt Groening speculates like this was the turning point in her attitude of uh, of mm-hmm. uh, no mother, just the Northern Lights fame. But yes, <laughs> Tress McNeil coming in with Agnes Skinner. I like this episode quite a bit. It's it does a little parody. I don't know that The Simpsons did a lot where 
there, there's a scene where they like drive through French paintings, and I think that was something I hadn't really seen in animation, or not since like the Looney Tunes that I seen like a gag like that. And hmm. they didn't really do it again on The Simpsons either. On the sixteenth, get ready for a lots of Sandra Bullock in this episode because Working True. Girl is on the air. This is the show based on the Melanie Griffith uh, hit. I'm guessing sure is. Yeah, I had no idea they did a little short-lived uh, television program based on the movie starring good old Sandy Bullock. Huh. And That's all I got. Eight whole episodes, four mm-hmm. ended up being unaired. Oh. And the theme song is the same as the movie. Right. The whatever that song the is. The Carly That's, Simon song? Yes. Let That's, the river Too dramatic for both the television program and the motion picture. If she can't vacuum me. topless, what is the point? Um, and ooh, but speaking of TV theme songs, everybody should learn. This, every time I hear this, it gives me all the goosebumps and excitement of being a kid in 1990. (laughs) And, like, I barely know anything about Saturday Night Live. I kind of like Steve Martin and Dana Carvey. But, like, In Living Color was, like, the sketch comedy I just grew up on. Like, other than, like, Sesame Street and Square One, which I believe they share a cast member with. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, yes, there are only three weigh-ins at this point. Damon, Keenan Ivory, and Kim with... uh, SW1, Sean Wayans on the ones and twos, because mm-hmm. who could forget the DJs and the Fly Girls? This was fucking awesome. And I I don't, I wish it hadn't ended so early. I wish it could have just kept going, because Keenan Ivory Wayans quit like almost halfway through the show and it kept going. He was the visionary behind the entire project. He had he had come off of I'm Gonna Get You Sucka, and he'd written Hollywood Shuffle, two movies I love a great deal. Um, and, and, and kind of like, oh, you might be the perfect guy for parody. He's now the guy who directs your what is sub scary movies? I think they had to like ranch away from what, the Weinstein's mm. on that, and they're called something else, a haunted house. Uh, he makes those movies now, but like, mm-hmm. dude, this it's it's hard to recommend, but it's like if you were there, this was uproarious. Well, this was a big. I, it's so weird that yeah, this is a cultural moment, but it, it absolutely is. Like mm-hmm. the nineties, uh, late eighties and early nineties, we get like a a big wave of black entertainment on TV that crosses over to a wider audience. I mean, Arsenio is it's a big fucking deal. Arsenio Hall show because there hadn't been you know a successful late night talk show for a while, Mm-mm. and this is one was like there hadn't been many other sketch comedy shows no they're here and there mm-hmm. and flip wilson's and whatnot but it's like it's like one success per decade and this oh, yeah. and like and if you look at that cast like almost 50 percent of them went on to be names you will recognize david allen greer damon waynes jim carrey was on the show mm-hmm. the entire time and nobody cared <laughs> even though he was great and ace ventura came out in i think like the summer or the, the year before the last season so he probably would have left the show mm-hmm. um but like yeah like jim Car- jim carrey is phenomenal on this show and he's like number 4 on the list of things you need to see damon waynes and david <laughs> allen greer like chief among them they are great yeah. oh yeah and tommy davidson yeah damon waynes Kim Wayans is pretty good. Jamie Foxx came in on the end. Jamie Foxx is coming, but like yeah. it's it's absolutely insane. And I, the only reason I won't recommend it because it is like very very specific to this point in time. It's not just that it's dated and offensive. It is, and that's why I love watching it. <laughs> I'll never forget my favorite sketch where they make a neighborhood for fat people, and then they show 
what it looks like, and it was just attendants rolling them around. That was the whole joke. And, <laughs> oh, and, and I, I swear, Blank Man was supposed to be a handyman movie before someone got cooler that heads prevailed. So offensive even <laughs> then. I was like, are you kidding me? Handyman who is a, a, a differently abled guy who's doing like everything that everyone has ever done to make fun of the retad kids on the schoolyard. Oof. Yeah, some of it Oof. was pretty rough. And then some of it was pretty fun, even <laughs> when it was offensive. Like uh, there was an ad for... Um, it was like, you don't need to hide your tampons anymore. It's pretty much just like a dress made out of tampons. Love it. <laughs> but like the that's, kind of content you've never yep. seen on television at this point, I'm sort of discovering older SNLs and I'm being told they were, they are very, very edgy. And I cannot see what is very edgy about the coneheads mm -hmm. and bumblebees and, and white guys <laughs> who sing blues songs. This was like shocking for the most part. Yeah. And, it, and it was like, and it was filmed not unlike Saturday Night Live, not live, but like week to week. So it was incredibly topical. And mm -hmm. and in this episode, in the debut episode, there's a credit card commercial that even SNL has like two sketches about with Roseanne just because it was like you'd have to remember that credit card commercial to like truly get it. And there's Red Fox talking about his tax problems. I hope that's what you remember about Red Fox. Um, and and – uh, there's what the coolest thing for sketch comedy nerds is Damon Wayans was one of the few people like fired mid season off of SNL, uh, for I believe. Well, I'll get to that in a second. But he took he managed to take a sketch from SNL with like I, I'm guessing no trouble. I don't know the behind the scenes of it because I don't know if it had the same name, but it's basically the Homeboy Shopping Network, which is just like all uh, right, two guys coming out of the van. It was originally Anthony Michael Hall and Damon Wayne's, and Anthony Michael Hall is now replaced in living color by his brother Keenan Ivory. But uh, guys selling you things on television out of the back of a truck that are clearly stolen. Um, but Damon Wayne's was fired for SNL because he got sick of playing side characters, and I think he was playing a bailiff and he like tied his shirt in a knot and came out with his wrists in the air and just decided to play uh -huh. hella gay and kind of fired in the. Eh, not the not the most sensitive way, but like the that's that's a pretty good way to get fired. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, the very not uh, to become men on film. The very last sketch is the longest sketch of the night, and that would be the debut of Men on Film. I'm Blaine Edwards, and I'm Antoine Merriweather, and welcome to Men on Films. We're going to be reviewing the latest film from a male point of view. First up is that controversial movie, Do the Right Thing. Now, I really like little Spike Lee's courage in making this film. I especially like the way he mixed the racial tension with the violence in order to give his message. Do the right thing. Come on out the closet. Don't be afraid to be who you is. Black, white, or whatever. Mm, ain't that the truth, Ruth? <laughs> now, I'd like to talk about an exciting new film, Karate Kid Part 3. It's all about men working out their problems in a very physical way. It was all so primitive. Mm -hmm. And you know, I really enjoyed Mr. Miyagi, played by little Pat Morito. Ooh, and that Ralph Macchio. Three words. Fab, you love him. So the audience is going crazy. And I, I, like, I, don't, I, I know this is a homophobic time. I don't mm -hmm. remember the attitude towards this being like, lol gay it's just like no one had ever heard anything like this on television <laughs> yeah no one had any heard of anybody this openly gay on television this period. is very gay yeah. they gave it two snaps up two snaps and a rewind that's for the well <laughs> and it sounds like it's the laugh of recognition of like 
oh, yes, we know people like this in our community. And seeing it on TV portrayed for the first time might be uh, very exciting, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So over the top. Yeah. Plenty of gay folks were pretty pissed at it. And some of them just thought it was cool. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's like it's so over the top that it's like. I can get mad at it, but also I can't. Yeah, it's it's just that like <laughs> yes, it's, it's exactly it's why I well I don't get mad at Buddy Cole on Kids mm. in the Hall because Scott Thompson is obviously gay, but uh, it's not too dissimilar from that tone, even though Scott Thompson goes way further. <laughs> <laughs> but but I just yeah I remember this was like all of our favorite. We couldn't wait to see more men on film because mm-hmm. we hadn't really heard anything about the gay perspective, and uh, yeah, it was like in Living Color was edgy as fuck and like and there's this is a turbulent time in america they're gonna be around for like the rodney king riots and shit like it's it's gonna be crazy and how many seasons did it go five only only five but like it was during my formative years and i didn't tape it but like dude i still say in living colors catchphrases in my fucking head like i i Mm -hmm. love this show uh there were a lot of catchphrases though homie don't play that homie don't play that oh yeah uh let me show you something let me show you something (laughs) that uh that show is not one that i was a little young for it i think and also um probably a little too sheltered for it but it was one of those shows in elementary school that i remember all my friends getting to school and and then quoting the entire sketch to me like word from word and then mm-hmm. all of us laughing so hard that's like one of the only experiences i've ever had with that sort of phenomenon where you know kids come back and and just like recap an entire episode and we're all <laughs> laughing like we know what they're talking about yeah. in fifth grade or fourth grade S- but S- our, snl had a little huge. bit of that back then but like yeah i'm fucking 10 and 11 and yeah. like we're the next day <laughs> all anybody could gather on to talk about was in living color it was a different time no internet i do remember this you know one tv household yelling i don't want to watch fucking seinfeld dad we watched it last <laughs> week i hate this show and i didn't like seinfeld until uh uh george pulled the ball out of the whale I, that was the episode like I think I might ah. like this, but we had arguments all the time because it aired in the same time slot. And we had one television and no DVR and no on demand. So I could either watch In Living Color or Seinfeld, and I would usually go pout in my room instead and just didn't see Seinfeld until like the fifth season because In Living Color. Mm. Love In I Living Color. It being, I want to say Sunday nights, and it was against America's Funniest Home Videos. Mm. I think it eventually moved to like, Thursday, though. Thursday at right, 9. Right. I think it eventually moved to Thursday. But yeah, I remember that. And it's like, well, we'd watch Americans Funniest Home Videos because it's fine. You know, family, we watch 60 Minutes and watch Americans Funniest Home Videos and then coming in the next day and being like, I am so out of the zeitgeist. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, did, mm-hmm. you see, did you see what Morley Safer did last night? Oh, man, it's hilarious. <laughs> it was wild. He's got a new earring. That, it's awesome. Did you get that Andy Rooney monologue? I was laughing. Man. Chords are crazy. <laughs> I'm tired. Too many of them. I'm tired of erasers, too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it, I, I can't I, I wish I could tell you more about in living color but it is it is incredibly topical and I mm. bet if it was still around it would be treated like shit because it really did cross the line a lot but I I, I wished it was to me it was like the, it, it was this in SNL they, they were like the only things that mattered I, in the Simpsons I loved in living color and if you were there I encourage you to track down some old episodes man I'll give you some real silly vibes hey mon just a reggae guy. That's the only joke. Hey, <laughs> uh, but what about, uh, I was like David Allen Greer's blue singer. Oh yeah, that was a fun. Where, I, yeah, David Allen Greer. <laughs> just, 
he would just be talking and then he's uh, and that reminds me of a song and his songs are all like five seconds long <laughs> but it just interrupted everything <laughs> david Allen greer uh was so and remains good. my favorite person on the show he was fucking yeah. phenomenal i love david Allen greer I don't know why I'm rushing. There are no games to talk about at all uh, in this segment. I will look into more of them for patreon.com slash laser time. We have a brand new episode up about, oh my God, I'm trying to, all I remember is making fun of Pat Riley basketball. That makes me so fucking happy. Uh, and, and Final <laughs> Fantasy 13, a real, like, uh, that, that's up this week. A uh, prolonged discussion on that. Patreon.com slash laser time. Five bucks, all you need. Uh, we know you got the time, uh, but music releases this week we can talk about. New releases from the Booyah Tribe. I did not know Booyah was this old a word. Yeah. 30 years what? old. Over 30 years old with New Funky Nation. Um, new Funky Nation? Anybody have this in repeat? No? Okay. Nope. Little Feet with representing the Mambo. <laughs> Act 3 by Death Angel. Um, Behind the Mask, the first Fleetwood Mac album without Lindsey Buckingham. Who was Ooh. mad for a second and then smiled and pointed and said nothing because my only frame of reference for him is what up with that, the SNL sketch. Uh, <laughs> Days of Open Hand by Suzanne Vega. A Green Day studio debut with 39 Smooth and Fear of a Black Planet by Public Enemy. Holy shit, which is on uh, Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list. Yep. This is a big one. This is, I like, like, we're, like I said, we're in a moment. We're in a black cultural mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. because... Can't fucking fight the power on the radio. Yeah, dude. We're hearing it on the radio and just thinking, oh, okay, this is different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Public Enemy is getting even more militant, if that's possible. (laughs) Good for them. Well, I mean, Chuck D has never really stopped. It's it's, it's your your Flava Flav, like, don't go politicizing everything, even though, like... I think the thing Wait, Flavor Flavor Flav is allegedly like the only guy who can like play instruments and read music. <laughs> so that, that's why he's in the band. But I, I love this album. I, I weirdly my my only memory is going to summer camp in like '93 and getting mercilessly made fun of by my black friends for still listening to Public Enemy. Uh, it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, huh. come on, man, this is still like this is. I, I love. I always wonder like, where's the fucking angry rap, man? During times of strife and war, like musicians normally step up and like, man, you guys are all words. Where's our where's our pop angry angry pop music? And man, mm-hmm. Public Enemy was a fucking uh, they were a delightful dish of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is it's. Just, I'm impressed like how fast they followed up. It takes a million nation a million to hold us back, mm-hmm. which is like a year and a half ago ish, mm-hmm. something like that. Which is that was also like a huge album and it's ridiculously influential and. Very political, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then to just come out, like, usually takes a little bit longer to come out with stuff. Like, maybe you have an EP a couple of years later or a live album. Mm-hmm. And this is a, it's a pretty long-ass album. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff with songs like Revolutionary Generation or Who Stole the Soul, Power of the People, and yeah, Fight the Power, which is a fucking anthem. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Goddamn. Public Enemy. Ah, good shit. Speaking of which. We didn't even mention talking about uh, in living color. We didn't mention the Fly Girls. Where Jennifer Lopez got her start, and fucking Rosie Perez was the choreographer. But not That's this, right. not in this episode. No, no, it did take a little. While. It did take it. Did take some time. But come on. But fuck, yeah. man, whenever I think fight the power, I think Rosie Perez dance in the beginning of do the right thing. And oh yeah, it looks those exhausting. things are tied forever. It's indelible. So ah. good. 
Yet, we're going to close that with I'll Be Your Everything by Tommy Page. The rest of the music is so weird when I look at the rest of the charts and stuff. I see the music that's coming out is so different and interesting. And the music that's charting, it's the same fucking junior high slow dance songs. That's so weird. Oh, they're so boring. Except for a couple weeks from now, then it'll turn cool again. I should say all my friends were arguing over when Green Day sold out around this time <laughs> and it is 39 smooth and whatever like i was i sort of got on board with dookie i but uh but yeah this is their uh i believe leaving lookout records and getting mm-hmm. a big deal and uh i would i would be remiss because i know brett that's a big album for former t3 uh co-host brett elson loves 39 smooth um but we'll close out this segment the 1990s with i'll be your everything by tommy page because it's number one we'll be right back with a very different song in a very different decade, the 2000s. Stay right there. Coming in with uh, Ex-Girlfriend by No Doubt off Return of Saturn. A No Doubt song I really like. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's a song I'm not... I don't hate. How about that? Well, no, I yeah. freaking love this song. I mean, it was a tough call of what song should we come in from with from Return of Saturn because mm-hmm. it's a huge album. And like I was saying with Public Enemy, they get another album out in like a year and a half. It took five years between Tragic Kingdom and Return of Saturn. And everyone was wondering, like, well, I don't know. No doubt might just be sort of a flash in the pan thing. And it's that second album, if you can pull it off. This is the mm-hmm. third album, though. And Well, this is their, sec- their first album after hitting it big. On right. It, and and that's, that's the thing. Like, this album was on the charts for, like, three years. And I, I never want to hear Don't Speak ever again in my life. It was. Oh, it- I don't know. <laughs> it's really good. Maybe yeah. spiderwebs. Give it another shot. Maybe spiderwebs, and and then and then spiderwebs rules. And then just a girl is just used so like unironically and stuff. Now I mm. every time I hear it, it's in a situation that makes my eyes roll. <laughs> I kind of loved it though. I, lo- I loved it at the time. It was like it was like the skyiest well, thing on fucking MTV. I know it was just when they when they had it in Wonder Woman last year. Was that last year or two years ago? Help. It me was uh, Captain Marvel. Mm. Captain Marvel, thank you. Yes, it, that was a uh, cringe inducing. I fell for it, man. Uh, maybe it was that part wasn't for me, but it, that was like, man, the movie's been doing so well. <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> but but I'm this a cornball. But I, I do like this song. I I did at the I went through a little punk and ska period, and like no doubt, kind of kind of kept it a little real. Their ska is the worst ska has to offer. <laughs> and they they abandoned that for a little more of a punky sound. And I, I do I did like that like you know, pop is is, is making its way in and ex girlfriend is a pretty dope single if you want to keep the faith with no doubt. Um Gwen Stefani's one of those people too who has it's been very interesting to see how much how many times she's reinvented herself and her look mm-hmm. kind of over the years. Not all of it successful. And now <laughs> I mean, just think about how we pictured her with Return of Saturn and Tragic Kingdom. And now she's like a judge on The Voice and dating 
cornball Blake Shelton? <laughs> like, as, as opposed to really? non-cornball, the lead singer of Bush? Yeah, I feel like the lead singer of Bush is way less cornball-y than Blake Shelton, your mom's favorite country singer. Fuck that shit, he has a machine head. On the, I can never get with head. that guy. It's, it's better than most. I'm done. <laughs> I, I'm done. Uh, but... but, but, but- I mean, where do where do you put the the squad of Harajuku girls behind you? Like when you're on a date, like yeah. do you have to take a second car or do you have to like get an SUV? Well, you got. Let's just say you carry a you lot of baggage. You, you carry a lot of baggage of cultural appropriation with you into that relationship. Let's put it that way. Are we talking about Gwen like Stefani or a... talking about Gwen Stefani or Bob Hope? I'm I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is and not a bad album, by the way. Uh, Return to Saturn. A little bit oh, of everything. Yeah. yeah, it's good. <clears throat> and because uh, I, I, I recently saw one of those things like No Doubt through the years. I'm like, I didn't even like acknowledge that No Doubt has never really gone away. Uh, I, I, I didn't even realize that. They, they've been pumping out shit the, like well, every four or five years. But like, yeah, never really yeah. sunk into obscurity at all. Yeah. I mean, let's see. When was their last album? Mm-hmm. Uh, 2012. Push and okay. okay. Yeah. Okay, but maybe I'm wrong. But I'm also old, and time is meaningless to me now. No more so than the <laughs> quarantine, uh, where days blend together. They're all bleeding together. Uh, new releases. Welcome to 2000, is what I should say. April 10th to the 16th. You're in a different decade now, as uh, should be emphasized. But Maloko and his new al- his or her new album, <laughs> Things to Make and Do. Uh, Veni Veni Vicious by The Hives. Uh, Both Sides of the Brain by Devil Funky Homo Sapien. Unrestricted by Debrat. Yeah, baby. The second and final album by Big Pun who sadly died back in uh, February at the age of 28 from a heart attack at a weight of 700 pounds. Hmm. Oh, man, that's yeah. rough. That's really rough. Yeah, I'm rethinking <sighs> eating a whole slice of pizza in one bite in between this break. Uh, and Beethoven's Last Night by Trans-Siberian Orchestra, their first non-Christmas album. It's a rock opera about Beethoven and fate trying to trick the devil. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the devil, you say. I'm uh, gonna need to track this down. Uh, I do love it. If you can't I love s- high concept rock operas, yes. If you can't yeah. sync your Christmas lights to it, what's the fucking point? Uh, <laughs> Maria Maria by Santana's number one. God damn. And oh, still, and it's gonna be number one for so long. And ooh, uh, speaking of music, oh boy, uh, this is. Oh, I'm so much older now. Uh, Two thousand. Uh, in April mm-hmm. 10th through the 16th, Metallica sues a little web portal known as Napster. And Lars Ulrich doesn't seem to mind being an asshole and testifies before the Senate committee in July. And What uh, a narc, man. Mm. Yeah, what a narc. It's just like I've, I've heard their perspective. And Metallica is just like a fascinating band, a band that didn't realize like they became their dad like 20 <laughs> years ago. But it is interesting to hear them talk about it. like no like everyone hated Lars for that but like it's somebody's like some of this stuff wasn't done like they someone stole it and released it to mm-hmm. to millions of people like and yeah if someone were to hack into my computer and take an un like edited podcast and put it up that would yeah. be upsetting to me and I would want that taken down and, mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm sure there there are not uh 500 jobs depending on that 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 song being released a certain way but also like this is a really exciting time for music and if i remember being on napster not a metallica fan but like holy shit there's an unreleased metallica thing on here this is fucking awesome Mm. (laughs) what an awesome service this napster thing is where do i put in my credit card oh i don't have one yet 
great. Was this an no, exciting time for one. Metallica, though? No. Like, this was this is their short hair period. This, yeah. is, this is their short hair sellout period. They're, uh, yeah. We're never going to option any of our music to any movies except for Mission Impossible 2 because that looks really That's good true. and we can morally get behind that. Uh, <laughs> And that, I believe that that is one of the songs that is like started all this kerfuffle before mm-hmm. I disappear. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always the most embarrassing things that start this stuff, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So this uh, this case dragged on and on and on. It went back and forth and back and forth, and all these different companies got involved. But you know, basically they're saying, well, it's copyright infringement and also racketeering. I'm not sure where the racketeering part came well, from. Racketeering is a thing people just like to throw in. Because nobody knows exactly what it means, so they just mm. throw that onto things. All they're, they're, the time. they're basically like yes? with their music, they're hijacking cigarettes off a truck, and then just. Yeah, I mean, the difference between racketeering and conspiracy, I'm not really sure. I get like conspiracy, maybe it's like I know I'm vol- I, I'm violating someone's copyright by sharing this, and you know I'm violating the copyright, so we're conspiring. Mm-hmm. But the racketeering, it I don't I don't follow. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, as usual, we've got industries trying to play catch up with technology, which the mm. people figured out. Oh, I can share my music easily, and you can download this music easily. We don't have to pay for it anymore. And the companies went, no. It it, it it's bizarre to think about, like me, just because like everything adjusts for inflation. But dude, I was paying seventeen ninety nine for CDs in yeah. like ninety five. That price was thoroughly unjustified, <laughs> and and so the idea of all of a sudden music becoming free, like I just man, I can't. Like I was there. I bought a computer to help decimate the music industry. I was part of the problem. <laughs> I was in, 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 in mm-hmm. a sense, it like it it what it did ruined the intimacy of music for me. I had that like mm-hmm. one foot in the seventies, like reading liner art. Ooh, live mm-hmm. as a mailing address. Why don't I send them a letter? And I did. Right. <laughs> yeah. And also, cause I mean, for me, part of the allure was I don't have to buy a whole album. I can just get the yeah. number one hit. Mm-hmm. I just want a single, you know? And, uh, but then it kind of ruined, there's only a couple albums that I know like backwards and forwards now yep. in my life that I prefer to listen to as a full album instead of just as a collection of mishmash mixtape, you know, songs. Yeah, yeah. but it, yeah. It, it, it co- that's, that's the weird thing is that they did some studies and found that like people who are downloading music using Napster were still spending money on music. Yeah. In fact, some of them were spending more money because it was like you're getting a free taste, like you're mm-hmm. discovering bands you never heard of and now you want the whole album. Yeah, and that and, makes some sense, and, but then we see twenty years later what's happened in the music industry and realize, oh, maybe not. It's so weird because <laughs> Napster has struggled ever since to go legit, and I, I believe yeah. it's still around. But it's technically. Uh, but to me, it means something completely different. It was one of the first websites we all had stickers for because it was like, dude, look this up. Go get shit. This is great. Uh, yes, we. I, I'm assuming we talked about Napster at some point. Uh, Pulitzer yeah, Prize. We talked then. about Napster when they went online like a year ago, right. something mm-hmm. like that. Thank and you, we Justin Timberlake. Complained about how every comedy album is not Weird Al and every reggae song is not Bob Marley. Yes, mm-hmm. the Weird People Al mislabeling did, everything. Weird Al did not do any parody songs that involve racism, weed, or beer. Like it, <laughs> it didn't happen. And yeah. I, I have, but I, I saved everything I ever downloaded from Napster. I have them on a hard drive somewhere, and I, I can pull up like this giant list of things that aren't Weird Al. Maybe that's good for a podcast. We have nothing else to do. <laughs> Yeah. How, how weird Al is this not? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But some of it is like so fucking racist, dude. Like the things mm-hmm. radio is getting away with. Anyway, uh, Pulitzer Prize for drama in 2000, April uh, 10th to 16th, goes drama. to Dinner with uh, Friends <laughs> by Donald Margulies. And Pulitzer Prize for fiction goes to Interpreter of Mal- Maladies by Jumpa. I give up. I give up. Interp- oh, <sighs> come on. Interpreter of Maladies by Jumpa Lahiri. It's. Very, very good. I highly recommend it. It's um, she's written a couple books, and uh, they're all usually about the Indian American experience. Um, Interpreter of Maladies is actually a collection of short stories, um, and it's just people who are Indian and Indian America who are caught between two lives and and dealing with it. And it was one of the first books that I read. That I realized I one of my wheelhouses for fiction that I love so much is reading stories of the immigrant experience and them trying to reconcile their traditions and lives with, you know, what America is. And uh, I give it a high recommend. Mm. Hmm. It's well deserved. Cool. And moving on to the movies of 2000, April 10th to the 16th, Rules of Engagement is still number one at the box office because people don't read. Uh, it, it, where the Money Is with Paul Newman. Dermot Mulroney, and who could forget Linda Fiorentino, which is like, there's no other like 90s actor. I have not seen her in anything in like 20 years. Uh, she was mm-hmm. in everything for a second. Where the Money Is with Paul with uh, Newman's Own. You don't rob the route, you rob the crew. Henry Manning, master thief, ultimate con artist. Looking for a little action. We hit the armored car. Take it with the beginning of this ship. On April 14th. Time. Nine minutes. Let's get going. Take a ride with a legend. Stop everything. Hands on the truck. I'm looking for a friend of mine. Paul Newman. What took you so long? Where the money is. I totally saw this. And I just I just assumed I'd What is this? Mm. I totally saw this. Uh, I watched this last night. Uh, Paul Newman plays like an old bank robber who fakes a stroke to get put into a nursing home, which uh, was, is where he meets nurse Linda Fiorentino, who's in an unhappy marriage with Dermot Mulroney. And, and well, like a third of the movie is just her suspecting that he's faking the stroke and trying to do stuff to make him react. Mm-hmm. And then decides like, yeah, we should plan a heist together. It's not, not very good, honestly. I was hoping for, you know, some some Paul Newman sparkle and there was some, but it was also like super uncomfortable thinking like, look, I know because I'm watching a movie that he's faking the stroke, but Linda Fiorentino is like sexually molesting him. And what if he wasn't? (laughs) Uh, I'm watching a crime. uh, Uh, Linda, she should be in jail. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, uh, I was, I don't know. Nah, it ended up being pretty disappointing. Just too bad because most latter day Paul Newman is real solid. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and my dad watch Nobody's Fool once a year, man. That's like one and of the nobody's best. Nobody's Fool. Old or guy rolls out. Roads of Perdition. That's mm-hmm. his last movie, and it's fantastic. But mm-hmm. yeah, are you sure it's not Cars? <laughs> mm. Uh oh. Technically, it might be actually. Yeah, but he's great <laughs> in that too. So shut up. Yeah, yeah. Him and George Carlin going out with a bang. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking Moving of on. speaking of size, uh, the first movie in a trilogy I love dearly, but I hate this movie. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Su- uh, Steve Buscemi, Diane Ladd, Elizabeth Perkins, Dominic West, Vigo Mortensen, Sandra Bullock in Twenty Eight Days. My name's Gwen. I'm an alcoholic. Sandra Bullock, 
Don't let him tell you there's something wrong with you. You're fine. I'll feel fine. Well, of course you don't feel fine. You're in deliverance country surrounded by a bunch of sober freaks. Help! In the story of a woman. I don't need your help. That's not what your next sign says. And the first 28 days. If I'm going to do this, everything has to be different. So this is when the outbreak of Rage Monkeys begins. Mm. <laughs> Bunch of people who saw this movie and were very mad. It, yep. <laughs> Just went Why in a rage. There... Why aren't there zombies fighting? Why isn't this movie better? I can't believe Dan- <laughs> I cannot believe Danny Boyle did that. <laughs> he named his movie yeah. 28 days later. Anyway, yeah. 28 days. This came first, but yeah, I've never, of course, I've never seen this. I saw it when it first came out. Um, I rented it, and I remember even at a young age, like in early high school, thinking, I don't think this is how AA really works. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I think it did get some criticism when it did come out that, like, the depiction of how recovery works and, AA and you know the first 28 days of recovery and and doing um you know inpatient recovery uh is just not accurate at all it's just not very not very good not very responsible depiction apparently Ooh, that rough uh, yeah so i know no zombies just sandra bullock having a drinking and drug problem and then going into rehab being mm-hmm. for i think she's forced by the cops because she gets in like an accident mm-hmm. but it's wacky that's wacky. Like, no, no, people only maimed, not murdered. Yeah, and then and she's in re- in this rehab facility, and some of the people are wacky. One but of them is McNulty. Felt, but wacky. Yeah. You know yeah. what? I bet the step they skip is acknowledging the higher power. But thankfully, we have the other movie of this week to help us out. <laughs> uh, a, nice segue. Nicely, very nice. You ready? Done. Yeah. A, a rabbi and a priest walk into a bar with a washed-up sitcom star. And we get, uh, she's not washed up yet. Is, is Don't this, say that. No, this, she's still the peak of her powers. Is this Ed Norton's directorial debut? I believe it is. It is. It's it only is. one of two movies he's directed, and the last one was last year. Yeah, right. I remember him pimping that real hard. He's like, but so no one's going to see it because it's not a Marvel movie. And he was right. And <laughs> but this also has Eli Wallach and Anne Bancroft. Holy shit. Jenna Elfman, Edward Norton, and Ben Stiller, and Keeping the Faith. Rabbi Jake Schreck. <laughs> His whole congregation is trying to set him up. I'm like a hunted bunny. Thought nothing was harder than dating. Punch me. I'm not going to punch you. Are you some kind of wuss? No, 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 I'm not. Until he fell for his best friend. I'm saying that I love you. Am I on speakerphone? Keeping the faith. Does you want to come up? I... Come I, on! Go, go, go! Oh, it's so shenanigans. I, I can't. <laughs> I... I, I, I there's nothing offensive about this movie in the slightest. It's just unremarkable in every way. I kind of love this movie. Okay. I thought it was fun. Yeah. I think it's really fun. I'm not a fan of romantic comedies, but this one leans much heavier on comedy. Yes. And so I I end up liking it quite a bit. Yeah, that it's kind of a love triangle between like two childhood friends, one who's now a priest and one who's now a rabbi. And it's uh, more it's more of a love quadrangle. Between three childhood best friends and God. Ooh. 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 Yeah. Mm. I really like this movie. I loved it when it came out. I actually revisited it last year just out of the blue because I saw, I think it's on Netflix or something, something free. And mm. yeah, it's it's three childhood best friends. 
Um, one of them, Edward Norton, becomes a priest. One of them, Ben Stiller, becomes a rabbi. And Jenna Elfman becomes a hot lady. And <laughs> they, she kind of comes back into their life and they both fall in love with her at the same time. And it's super sweet, I feel like. And while still, yeah, retaining some real comedy and a very interesting idea for a for a, a love joke. story a rom-com no. i, I guess feel like it's, yeah even though if it was made today i think we all know the priest and rabbi would end up together mm. that's oh. my wildest oh. dreams yes that's how it should have gone damn it yep. yeah yeah in love with his no, best friend. Yeah, considering how much you think there's a lot of religion in here i mean it's not <laughs> it's very inoffensive to mm-hmm. everybody you know they don't get too serious into anything like heavy and existential and it's just if i find it so odd that edward norton who's such a like intense guy that this is the movie he wanted to try directing with first yeah i know yeah really like i mean motherless brooklyn that's the kind of thing i expect him to do or something that's like actor showcase kind of intense movie before i run off to go write incredible hulk i want to make a romantic comedy It is. It's very, very, it's a very interesting choice. It almost makes me wonder, did it start out grittier and then like (laughs) they had to get toned down or something? But um, I mean, he does a good job, I feel. Everyone's doing a good job. I feel like there's also like real chemistry between Ben Stiller and Jenna Elfman in this because they're kind of Mm -hmm. the couple that gets together partially because he can because he's a rabbi and he can get married and Edward Norton cannot. Um, Yeah, I just find this movie to be very sweet and pretty fun. I totally agree. Yeah, Keeping the Faith is kind of a recommend for me. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. If you need something extremely light. Yeah. Yeah. Very light, not filling. Tastes great. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's fun to see Ben Stiller take on a, a, pa- a more palatable character role. I feel hmm. like oftentimes the choices that he makes as character, he's always good, I think, but he's oftentimes playing just like a character that has like a lot of ticks or is like extremely nervous all the time or is like, you know, really plays up the anxiety. And, and there's some of that here, but it's much more grounded, I feel like, than it usually mm. is. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. You're right. Usually yeah. plays, yeah, more assholey characters. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Ooh. And this seems much more grounded. Yeah. Okay. Can we talk about what's not grounded but Hard. is about assholes? Hard pivot. Yes. Into uh, an absolute recommend for me, though. Yeah. I love this movie. I'm, I'm, I, I get conflicted with this movie, starring Reese Witherspoon, not without Justin Thoreau, uh, not partial. I'm not, I'm not going to do this. Uh, Carrie Seymour, <laughs> no, Chloe Sevenlay, Samantha Mathis, Josh Luke Ass, no, Jer- Jared Leto, Willem Dafoe, and Christian Bale in American Psycho. <laughs> New card. What do you think? Oh, very nice. There's something sweet about you. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? We are all walking on sunshine here. I was so looking forward to this movie. And if I may say for a second, little 20-year-old edgelord Chris Antista Oh, yeah. uh, really wanted to see the the book he had read about but not read, and mm. and if I remember Leonardo DiCaprio was circling 
this being his like post Titanic role. <laughs> and yeah. and instead Japan offered him twenty four million dollars to do Mazda commercials, so he said no. <laughs> but you also have to remember no one in the world knew who Christian Bale was right now. Empire of the Sun has been one of my favorite movies since like eighty seven when he was six years old. He had played a mm-hmm. I watched every movie. He had played a bad guy in Shaft like the year before. And I had no, not, I had, no, that's actually still coming up. Oh yeah. I had not seen him at all in between that, like ever. Maybe he was in some like British BBC horse shit that I didn't have access to, but uh, little women in 1994. Didn't see it. Oh, the gold mine in 1997. Velvet gold it. mine. Did see it. But I'm saying like, like this made, but nobody Cri- saw it. This but made, that movie's amazing. This made Christian Bale a household name again. Or like, uh, yeah, it made Christian Bale a household name. One of our, our leading actors is mm-hmm. American psycho. And I remember yep. being like, I remember being mad at it because I still don't understand the ending. But I also <laughs> don't watch the movie. I watch parts of the movie, which are awesome. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> this movie has been memed to death because the scene, individual scenes are are so hilarious and enjoyable on their own. Once once you've seen it already, uh, yeah, like American Psycho. It, it, it I. I don't know, like a kind of like a sleeper masterpiece, maybe. <laughs> and that yeah. so many people have seen it, and it still like airs on cable, whereas most of the movies we're talking about do not. Uh, Americans, I don't yeah. know, like I don't well, know. If it, I don't heavily, know if it, heavily edited if it's on commercial cable because there's mm. all kinds of nudity and violence, which is part of the point. I mean, no, yeah, sorry, they've you, been trying you, to make you could, you could this turn on, movie. Yes, they've been trying to make this movie for like ten years, but you for, could turn on Stars yeah. tomorrow, and you'll never see Keeping the Faith. You you mm. you have a mm-hmm. very good chance of seeing American Psycho. That's a good point. Yeah. So I mean, they've been trying to move, make it. Oliver Stone was attached, which makes sense because you know it. I see a lot of uh, overlap between this and Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, DiCaprio was was in talks, and eventually it goes to Mary Heron, whose previous movie was I Shot Andy Warhol, which is super good, by the way. And it's fascinating that the the book that is honestly. Either it's misogynistic or it's about a misogynistic character written incredibly well. <laughs> but it seems, what well, we know from Brad Easton Ellis' work, he seems to not really care for women. And the fact that it is written and directed by women adds something wow, to it. Okay. Like, they, they're they taking a slightly more outsider perspective on this, like, 80s Wall Street, go get a selfish prick kind of mm-hmm. superficial asshole that I just, there's something there that if it were written and directed by men i don't think it would work as well written and directed by uh what is it mary by women mary heron mary heron mm-hmm. and uh, guinevere turner who also pops up in the movie as like one of the most unctuous unlikable rich bitches ever it's, it's difficult to remember but like this is a controversial book and almost immediately was option for a movie with johnny depp and like the world was bracing itself for this soon-to-be controversial movie and mm. I, I remember reading about it more than I m- before it came out than afterward. Like it was constantly mm. talked about. They're not gonna make American Psycho the movie. And and yeah, I don't how know, could they? It's too disgusting. It seems like yeah, there is a scene where he murders somebody, but like when he points in a mirror while fucking somebody and like broods <laughs> over someone else's business card, I wouldn't replace that for the world. Do whatever you want mm-hmm. as long as you're. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like it's, it's a very simple idea, which is, you know, uh, what about, you know, the cutthroat world of finance in 80s or everything is about like being at the trendiest bar and having the trendiest clothes or whatever. It's like, 
you know, that that is psychotic behavior. What if it just extended to mm-hmm. I get to murder people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is a yeah. place where you can hide in plain sight mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah. So he's just starts with the murdering. Like he kills a homeless person. He starts killing sex workers. It's brutal and disgusting, but deeply satirical where it's mm. not. Yeah. Like it's, it's not even like Wolf of Wall Street where it's like, I can't, if there's someone who's watching this, who in any way empathizes <laughs> with Patrick Bateman or thinks he's cool, sweet mm. Jesus, that person needs to be in jail now. Like, I can't see how you could because it's so satirical, but then people are often idiots and, you know, people want to grow up to be Scarface, too. I'm silently taking down several posters as uh, we're talking right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did meet someone kind of recently who, like, right off the bat told me his favorite movie was American Psycho, which, again, it is a great movie, but if that's, like, the first fun fact you're telling me about yourself. <laughs> That's why you got to hit him with, with, with you got to hit him with blow. What do you think of American Psycho 2 with Mila Kunis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't, yeah. If someone told me that, I don't know how to take it. Like, are mm-hmm. you, are you wishing you were him or are you enjoying what this is trying to say about like American capitalism? Yeah. yeah. I don't know because yeah, I love this movie. And I hate every character in it and anyone who is like them, I would love to throw into a pit full of feral hogs. This, so. is, this is bone. <laughs> oh, that scene. There are a couple absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. set pieces in this. This one where they are losing they're they're comparing their business cards and the tiny details in the font and the paper texture and mm-hmm. yes whether it's bone or it's navajo white or whatever and he starts having a fucking panic attack because someone's card is slightly better than his <laughs> ah, that and uh jared leto's brutal end mm. oh my god his super enthusiastic not unlike um he's almost like fire marshal bill in his happiness and enthusiasm uh, just to tie it all together within Living Color, mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. about fucking Huey Lewis, That's the most so funny. anodyne, generic, happy music, whatever. And he's like going into deep detail of it while he is preparing to axe murder somebody. Yeah, talk about a band that requires God, it's so good. Requires no introspection or further thought. I yeah. want a new drug. Yeah. One that's really, really good. Oh, what did he mean by that lyric? <laughs> no, but you don't understand by hip to be square he's he's confronting the idea of coolness in society oh my God, by declaring so... a new paradigm for coolness squareness it's so it's Is so not an x yes you are you are putting me in a ninja turtle situation where i might have to run upstairs and watch this yeah in between fucking Same. podcast recordings because i've never seen this all the way through after the first time and and not to uh, have you yeah. like it, the the book ending. I imagine books end even more ambiguous than movies, but this movie's ending. I think yeah. I went in looking for brutality and like dark satire, and I felt like it was negated at the end. Mm. And this is this is a a twenty year old edge lord review um, mm-hmm. because I've seen I've seen bits and pieces of it a billion times since then. Um, it can even quote some of it, but I've never watched it all in full. Mm. And I don't know. I don't know how. Oh, like, yeah. is, does that make it? Is it satisfying? Well, see, I was going to do the opposite and rewatch scenes of it, but not all. 
not all of it and not the scenes of real brutality. I don't think I want that, but the other pieces of it I do enjoy very much. So, yeah, there is some pretty hurt. I mean, it's pretty gross violence, and it's also mm-hmm. a lot of it's left to your imagination that makes it worse somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also uh, running around wearing uh, Reebok high tops with a chainsaw. It's hilarious. Just running, running down a hall naked. Yeah. Except for your running shoes. I didn't think anything of it because I had the body to do it back then. And never. Oh, <laughs> God. Uh, never would I do that now. I, mur- I murder in full apron. But mm. but uh, but the, the ending where it's like, did any of this really happen? Yeah. And I, I kind of like it mm. in that. I mean, sort of the point is like, I, I don't know, the point is almost like it doesn't matter. This could really yeah, happen and people would just shrug or it could just all be what's going on in this crazy guy's head, in which case it's, people would just shrug. mostly too mm-hmm. impossible to have happened. You mm. can't hide that many bodies in one high rise in New York City. You just People tend to notice when cars explode. Yeah. yeah. There's usually a record of that happening later. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, your mileage may vary on that one, I guess. Yeah, I know some people don't care for the ending at all. I'm I'm good with it. Well, I'm just glancing at the wiki and like Bale struggled with the role until he noticed Tom Cruise in an interview with David Letterman and he was struck by an intense friendliness with nothing behind his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes yeah, that tracks I feel like. Oh, sorry. Teasing uh yeah, Cruise apologist uh Sarah Bear. Um but mm. but but like I I still think about this movie and I think I don't know, like 20 years later having not done a full rewatch that is a testament to it's probably worth watching. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I think about it often. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. It's hard to not think about it. I mean, in early 2009, I was thinking about it again. Anytime like you get hear a lot about like wall street and the economy and the stock market, I just start thinking about this movie and we're I, back I, in that time where it's like, how, how many of us should, how many grandparents should we sacrifice to the, the blood God of economy to keep it rolling? I think about Matthew I'm McConaughey that again. whistling and calling it Fugazi because I never use that <laughs> word. But every time I think of Wall Street, I think it's Fugazi, nothing. And I don't, yeah, we don't have to cut you off because there's no TV other than yep. Food 9 11. Go watch American Psycho, goddammit. Yeah. Food 9 11, yeah. where I imagine two Especially cakes. If you're are... a woman who's afraid that it's going to be like too anti woman, no. It's mm. criticizing being anti woman that makes it kind of awesome. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Food 911. Yes. Starring uh, two cakes of the same size, Foo 911. Now, I'm not going to do this joke. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm better than that now. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you decided not to. I, I decided um, not to do that joke. Yeah, yeah. it's a very long running uh, show on the Food Network with celebrity chef Tyler Florence, known for what? I'm not quite sure. I don't think I've ever cooked one of his recipes, but uh, hmm. he goes to people's homes and helps them overcome cooking problems in their house what? i don't know it's still <laughs> running which is wild what and could be their think... food problems other than we don't have any money mm, my souffle <laughs> won't rise ah, the real problems yeah. um yeah. but i think it's kind of one of those things where a certain kind of mom might be very into tyler florence and mm. his boyish good looks Mm. And that's probably what's keeping this afloat for a while. <laughs> My quiche is too moist, too. I, <laughs> I don't know what to do about it. 
Uh, I've, I've told my therapist, so I'm done. There's no games, uh, but we're close out this 2000 segment with Hip to Be Square by Huey Lewis and the News. Uh, something to think about when you get an axe through your head. Uh, from American Psycho. <laughs> uh, wonderful film. Uh, we'll be right back with 2010. Oh boy, it's going to get weird. internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of april 10th through 16th all kinds of history to talk about uh let's start with 50 years ago this week uh april 11 1970 saw the launching of apollo 13 which was heading to the moon and then had a problem and had to call houston and had to come home and that movie is really solidly made and we're not going to get to talk about it for a while so if you haven't seen apollo 13 or i don't know you haven't seen it in a long time yeah it's totally worth a watch then heading back 75 years ago this week april 12th 1945 unfortunately we lost president franklin delano roosevelt he was only 63 <sighs> yeah boy i miss having presidents that listen to advisors and care about people and do things to help the common good <sighs> yeah anyway meanwhile over on the pacific front a weird thing as we're coming towards the end of world war ii april 12 1945 saw the release of the first feature-length animated japanese film so it's kind of the 75th anniversary of anime sort of kind of it's called uh, momotaru sacred sailors and it had a bunch of nationalism in it as was the style of the time. Meanwhile, in the European theater, where things really are getting to the end, uh, April 11th, 1945, so again, 75 years ago this week, is an interesting story I actually hadn't heard of. With American forces approaching, uh, the inmates at the Buchenwald death camp uh, take over the camp. Edward R. Murrow, uh, the famous journalist, was there a few days later when the Americans rolled in. And the commanding officer, Mr. George Patton, was so horrified that he ordered 1,000 civilians nearby to walk 16 miles to the camp to actually see it for themselves. And this all ties in because a couple weeks ago, uh, actually April 2nd, 1970, saw the release of the movie Patton, starring George C. Scott, Carl Malden, uh, written by Francis Ford Coppola, directed by Franklin J. Schaffner. And so between Patton and Apollo 13, it's a great week for dad movies. They're movies that dads like. Patton is incredibly watchable, it's George C. Scott is fantastic in it. It turns out it's not extremely accurate, but it is one of those movies where it's like, finally, someone who's just willing to not be nice about everything, to be an asshole, to get things done. God damn it. And dads, dads love that sort of tough love stuff. And even if you don't, Patton is definitely a good movie to watch. It's entertaining. It's interesting. It's, it's a different kind of World War II movie. It's not gritty, it's not clean, it's it's just kind of a little bit of everything. So, uh, Patton, and yeah, let's throw in Apollo 13, and yeah, if I get Momotaro, Sacred Sailors, which I haven't seen, because uh, honestly, I don't care for animation from Japan. It's just not my style. But uh, that's it for this week. Stay classic. Now it hurts to stay at home. 
Coming in with Flash Delirium from MGMT. Oh, congratulations. An album. That's also by MGMT. Well, that means it's 2010, everyone. Remember? MGMT. (laughs) If we're talking MGMT, we're talking 2010. 2010. Uh, (laughs) Dude, I'm not kidding. I love the song Kids. It's one of my favorite songs of the decade. Me too. And I love covers of Kids, too. It's also very good. you got to look up. a couple different ones. Do yourself a favor and look up Earth, Wind, and Fire September to Kids. It is a little (laughs) slice of wonderful. Uh, Are you talking about a mashup? I am talking about a mashup. It's just there's a great there's a great middle segment that you won't see coming, and it, it makes me laugh. I've seen it three times, and it makes me laugh a lot. But MGMT, my hats off to you. Ten years ago, April 10th to the 16th, uh, congratulations came out. We also have some new releases from uh, uh, the self-titled debut of Ble- Bleeding Through and the Year of the yeah, Black. It's not the debut. My it's bad. their sixth album. Sixth. I hate when bands do that. It's yeah. so confusing. Like yeah. Yeah. Like the, no, your debut can be self-titled. It has to be your last it. album. Beatles. Yeah. Uh, Year of the Black Rainbow by Coheed and Camry is also out. Rude Boy by Rihanna is still numero uno. A little bit of news for 2010. The eruption of the Icelandic volcano. I will not bother to try and say this. <laughs> and I've been to I, I've been to Iceland recently and I will not bother this. Why is Iceland one of those countries that like has different pronunciations for letters than the rest of us accept? It sucks. Like Hungarian or Welsh. Try to keep us out. You'll see. You'll see like a seventeen like letter word with a dickload of umlauts, and it's two and a half syllables. Like, why did you do that? Why? Why did this have to happen, Iceland? Everything else about yeah. you is very efficient, including your volcanoes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's. I, I gave you the link that you can play of how this is pronounced. How do you pronounce it? Looks like Yeah, they seem to like like. Lazily forget half the syllables, and it just sounds wonderful when they say. Eyjafjallajökull, Eyjafjallajökull, Eyjafjallajökull. It starts spewing ash all over the place, and it uh, air traffic from Europe is pretty much shut down for a couple days, and everyone that gets concerned. Like a major event that I totally forgot about until yeah. right this second. Uh, when I was there in yeah. October, it, it said it, it decimated the whole country, and they had to like pretty much recalibrate themselves to become 100% tourism-based, meaning they're about to get fucked. Because <laughs> mm. uh, tourism is down, down, down. But, mm. as we know from the Ezra Miller video, uh, the outbreak has not reached Iceland yet. And <laughs> people are still partying out there and throwing women to the ground by their throats. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I haven't seen that. Just Google it. Uh, but my three favorite things about Iceland, having been there recently, thanks, Dad. Uh, they have an app, only for Icelandic citizens, to find out if the person they're dating is directly related to them because they live in the island of <laughs> isolated white people. <laughs> that ex- is important. It exists. Yeah. It exists. The The next thing is that they live exclusively on a volcano. That is where they live all the time. Everything, like 90% of Iceland, you cannot even set foot on because it is, it is so new and primordial. It is the opening mm-hmm. of Prometheus. It is all volcanic rock because there's all volcanoes beneath them. Not all volcanoes, but uh, lots of volcanic rock. And my next favorite thing is their sustainable living, where they found a way to like use the the lava flow to heat their water, and hmm. and then and and their. Do you know what the uh, like? We have carbon monoxide as our emission. Their emission is fool's gold. <laughs> they Ooh, stick pirate. it back. They stick it back Are in the ground. Pyrite. Yeah, they stick it back in the ground with a, a, an atom mineral, and like that's that's their emission. They're like almost zero emission. Because they heat their the water you get for not drinking is heated by lava. In other news, 
Uh, Pulitzer Prize for Drama goes to Next to Normal by Tom Kitt and Brian Yorkie. And Pulitzer Prize for Fiction goes to Tinkers by Paul Harding. Would that become Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy? Nope. No? Nope, nope. That's John le Carre. I heard a mix of nope and yep. And a little nope. bit of news <laughs> a little bit of news for people who are dumb like me. Xbox Live for the original Xbox has been discontinued ten years ago this week. Mm-hmm. No. RIP. I'm, I'm not even sure it's been completely shut down for the three sixty at this point. But yeah, ten years ago we lost it for the OG Xbox. Uh, movies twenty ten, April tenth to the sixteenth. Oh boy, this is where it gets crazy. I'm just kidding. Uh, there's a couple good things in here. Cemetery Junction mm-hmm. with Christian Cook and Felicity Jones. Don't know it? No. Because no. that's uh, Ricky Gervais, Stephen Merchant joint. Oh, is it? Oh. That barely came to the U.S. This mm. is its U.K. release. Mm. And, yeah, I mean, the reviews were mixed. Some people, you know, really, really loved it. And some people were just like, eh, I'm getting sick of this. <laughs> I want to say it's technically their first movie together. Huh. I know what the problem was. Why didn't you what? have more celebrities playing themselves? That is a good question. (laughs) Sorry. Get Patrick Stewart in there saying something dirty. It makes Uh everything better. I like booty. Ah, Make it so. I can see everything. I can see (laughs) Totally naked. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Honestly, I couldn't find it. I've been meaning to watch it. I haven't. Uh, I mean, it sounds like it's about kind of there's a quirky small town and it's coming of age story. It barely came to America. And I'm still not sure why. I... I think if we're looking back with incredibly clear hindsight, I'm not sure why the original Office was such a success. Because every time I follow one of those dudes into something, actually, Stephen Merchant has a great like acting career. Mm-hmm. But Ricky Gervais stuff, like, dude, that 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 show you did with a guy who's like in the mental home. Never mind. But like the David Brent movie, couldn't get through it. Like I mm-hmm. I don't even remember what I loved about the original Office because and and I don't have to because there's like a mm. a big American one. <laughs> That I don't yes. have to think about. Uh, That's very good. I know, but I love the first, the original so much. It was like my introduction to cringe comedy. Anyway, The Perfect Game is also out this week. A movie with Clifton Collins Jr., Cheech Marin, Louis Gossett Jr. Oh, I hope they get to meet their dads. Uh, Meal the Rape and Bruce McGill and Patricia Mantarola. Um, yeah, so I I had trouble tracking this down because I had like a couple different titles for it, but it's actually about the first perfect game pitched in the little league world series, Mm -hmm. which is from, I believe a Puerto Rican team and in the fifties. And it's about like the racism and the coming together and the, they, you know, they come together as a team and then they, they do great in little league world series. And yeah, all reviews were like, yeah, it's charming, but it's exactly what you expect. It's heartwarming, you know, and they overcome adversity, blah, 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 blah. But I was like Clifton Collins jr. I went, that guy, anytime he pops up as like a character actor in something, yeah. it's going to get good. It's good. I love that man. Uh, Boogie Woogie with Still in Skarsgård, Christopher Lee, Gillian Anderson, uh, Heather Graham, Joanna Lumley, uh, Jamie Winstone, Amanda Seyfried, and Alan Cumming. Yeah, so we have a double feature here that's kind of nuts coming out the same week. We have two movies about how the modern art industry is a pile of bullshit. Whoa. And first one is Boogie Woogie with this like ridiculous cast, and it got some pretty pretty good reviews as just sort of like a black comedy about you know idiots being idiots and spending money on idiotic shit that has no real artistic merit but is really expensive because everyone thinks it's really expensive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, again, harder to find in the U.S. and part of it might be the the title because it's actually from like a Montreal painting, but I was expecting. Swing dancing. There's no swing dancing. Oh, Bill. 
Um, and and then uh, also then, about art, one of my favorite documentaries of the whole decade, Exit Through the Gift Shop. Absolutely. Yeah. So good. I finally watched this yesterday. I kept meaning to watch it, kept meaning to watch it, and I finally watched it, and it did not disappoint. It's a, it's a reference to Disney World, Disneyland, where gorilla art was hung, and get to see what Disney prison looks like for a hot second, but it's it's an even more bizarre story. Banksy? Are we still talking about Banksy? He was mm-hmm. somehow still anonymous in the internet age. Yep. Uh, wild. What kind of artist do we refer to Banksy as? Street art. Street art? Annoying art? Yeah. Shred your own art at, at its own auction art. That's uh, the best thing ever. But but it 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 looks like it's gonna like I I think I was billed of like uh this is about hanging up gorilla art in Disneyland and then it's about Banksy who anonymously appears in the documentary talking about himself and a guy who would help him out who ends up becoming a, a guy called Mister Brainwash who basically rips him off but decides to not remain anonymous and soak in the spotlight and basically parody his work and because he's a makes himself available gets a lot more money and fame. I totally forgot about Mister Brainwash. I saw this when it came out and now I'm like, oh my god, yes! It's like a whole. This is one of those documentaries that you think it's going one way and it goes totally different way. Exactly. I mean, it's credited as being directed by Banksy. And everyone sold it as like, oh, it's about Banksy or it's about street artists. And really, it's about this guy who's running around filming street artists who decides, well, this is so easy. I could do it myself. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then makes just and he does <laughs> incredibly <laughs> basic ass generic ripoff art that is so yeah. unspectacular. But it just captures people's attention and he's just really good at hyping it. And there's it's it's like there's some still some question of whether or not this movie itself is is a is, joke is real it, mm-hmm. it feels like wrestling because mm-hmm. it, right. it, it's good because you don't know what is real and the best conspiracy theory is that mr brainwash is is banksy mm-hmm. that that's the one i love the most <laughs> he, right. he, he's the parody of himself and that's and that's the only time he's appeared in public as yeah. a that parody of himself. intentionally making uh shitty knockoff versions of his own art mm-hmm. He's not even making them too. He's got a bunch of des- a bunch of graphic designers, and he just tells them what to do. Like, oh, you should uh, take Marilyn Monroe's head from the Andy Warhol and replace the face with Spock. Yeah, <laughs> and then someone else does it, and then they make oh, a screen man. print of it, and they act like it's art, and it's like it's a ripoff of a ripoff. Yeah, I hate that shit so much. The last time I was in Miami, we went to Wynwood, which is like their art district there, and it was just full of that kind of like edgy street art we're like look it's mickey mouse but he's got a crown of thorns man. <laughs> and it's like all right it's ronald mcdonald but he's, he's eating a grenade between the buns man <laughs> oh fuck i'll wear that on a t-shirt i'll throw away the che Guevara right now uh, it, it, yeah, yeah i just that stuff kills me but, I'm not but a that's, fan. this documentary is enjoyable on every level if you love mm-hmm. art if you love pop art if you hate art mm-hmm. yep. you can <laughs> laugh at all these art people it, it's fucking mm-hmm. phenomenal it, it is so fun in that way yep who oh, yeah. who do you like to pretend is banksy I, I like mr oh. brainwash i like to think of him as a ron jeremy harmar superstar looking motherfucker <laughs> and, and i like that with a fedora on mm-hmm. Um, I think 
I like to think that the Banksy that we see, who's always either like his face is covered or it's blurred out or something. I like to think that that's not actually Banksy and Banksy's a woman. Oh, I like to pretend that Banksy is Rosie O'Donnell. (laughs) 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 Because I love Rosie O'Donnell and I think that (laughs) everyone thinks she's pretty corny. And I think that would be really cool if she was Banksy. Yeah. The real answer is Betty White. Oh, I hope so. (laughs) I hope so. It's been Paris Hilton the whole time. And, <laughs> I, and just I would that, love that too. I, I and as a, a minor aside, it like um, I've done both. I've been I've gone to museums and felt moved to tears, and I've made fun of the art community mercilessly. Going to yeah. my college friends' art shows, like I had no idea you could make that much period blood. Oh, they make an apparatus to capture. All right, great. Uh, like I've seen the hacky. I've seen the great. This will help you appreciate art a little more. And like it 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 is a minor explainer of what makes good art. And and just as part of that is authenticity and honesty. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and it it's it becomes this portrait of a very dishonest person, but he's like he's like, I don't care. <laughs> it's yeah. it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's what's one of the fun things about the art community is that to me, art, especially, you know, anything, should make you feel something and people who have enough money to collect art generally are not collecting art to feel anything besides rich. Yes, they're mm. there to give you a Christian Bale speech before they stick an axe through your face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. This is a bang scene. Mm-hmm. No, you come into my house. This is a Sonic the Hedgehog song from <laughs> Geek Entertainment. Ended in 1994 with Sonic's Christmas Blast. Anyway, sorry. Uh, Death at a Funeral, did we talk about the original? We did, in 2000, for 2007. This is bizarre, but I... I, I this is very I bizarre. I want to tip my hat to just the balls on Chris Rock because it's not a bad movie. It just... No. It came out so close to... Uh, Death at a Funeral. Uh, let's just hear the trailer. Uh, with Martin Lawrence, Chris Rock, James Martin, Luke Wilson, and Peter Dinklage. Brian, who's this? Because that's not my father. You got Jackie Chan in this! When there's a death in the family... We're going to be late, fatty! Oh! Uncle Russell, I love you, but you're going to be in the box next. Uh, the last thing you need is grief. Oh, daddy. Death at a funeral. That was heavy duty, the way your father fell out of his coffin like a dead fish. He was like, blow. I was like, damn. It's, it's one of those movies that could be a play. By the way, I just watched Bad Boys for Life, and I command you to grab your favorite liquor and drink every time Martin Lawrence goes, <laughs> you will die. <laughs> I love Bad you, Boys for Life. That was I didn't say I didn't experience. love it, but it's it's brazenness and like, all right, now we're the Fast and the Furious series. Like, get the fuck oh, yes. out of here. A hundred percent. And I cried watching it. So who knows what's happening? I have, oh someday God. you have to tell me at what part because I don't understand. But but Death at a Funeral. <laughs> when I, they said they were Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> there's some emotional moments. You no, know I love friendship. Okay, I love friendship. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but Death at a Funeral is a remake of a movie. I think is it like it's less than five years old. Yeah, and it's like not. It's 2007. It's three years old, and it was in English. And it's the in English. First time. It's just a very British thing. And and so the reason why I loved it is it, it's it's I think if I'm being cl- honest, what were we watching the other day? We put on What About Bob, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I forgot this is directed by Frank Oz. Frank uh-huh. Oz, almost every movie he made is amazing. And beloved, except for the Stepford Wives. Stepford Wives is a big failure. And this is sort of yeah. him. 
I'm going to step back from that and make an independent movie. Death at a Funeral, both versions are pretty much could be done as plays, but mm-hmm. but they're just funny, dark comedy at a funeral. And then Chris Rock saw that and like he'd already remade a French movie. <laughs> That's true. Because uh, Chris Rock rules and like has good taste. And like, no, nah, I want to make that with like Tracy Morgan and Martin Lawrence and Danny Glover. And like, I, how am I supposed to argue with that? <laughs> like, do it. <laughs> Just do it. No one saw the original Death at a Funeral. I remember seeing that it like it it, it made like two hundred thousand dollars at the box office. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, in the States it did a lot better in the UK and in Europe. Which is just, it's so weird when you remake something that's already in English, that's yeah. already really good. But they share and, they share one cast member, Peter yep. Dinklage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Which is just extra weird. And I mean, I like both versions. I can't really tell you which one I think is better. The original. Because, <laughs> I mean, the British one, that's the thing, though. The British one it just sort of has better, it, it's better directed. It has better pacing. It is sort of livelier the 2010 one has such a great cast. I mean, I didn't even mention in there, like Zoe Zaldana, Loretta Devine, Tracy Morgan, you heard, Kevin Hart pops up, Ron Glass, Keith David. I mean, Danny Glover. Shepherd. It's got a oh. fucking great cast, but for whatever reason, it's directed by Neil LeBute, <laughs> uh, which is just the weirdest fucking choice ever. Mm. I mean, he's made good movies, like In the Company of Men, and he made the fucking Wicker Man remake. <laughs> One of the worst, silliest things ever. So yeah. he's not a comedy guy, and he doesn't quite, like, he does an okay job, but nah, man. Oh, if they just brought Frank Eyes back to direct this version, then I think it would the total winner i love that man just on the basis both, of muppet steak manhattan and a uh, little shop of horrors man little shop of horrors man is so good come on mm. yeah mm. it's so weird that it's like why they're so close to being the same movie i don't ah uh, i don't know this is they're both good so it's kind of hard for me to complain and here's the most weirdly dated thing i think we'll talk about in, mm-hmm. in this piece about about how much tastes have changed and how many how much stuff has changed Lindsay Funts, I'm not, Christopher Mintz-Plast, Mark Strong, Chloe Grace Mortez in a stunning uh, debut, Nicolas Cage, Clark Duke, and Aaron Tyler Johnson in number one at the box office this week, Kick-Ass. How come nobody's ever tried to be a superhero? Dude, if anybody did it in real life, they'd be dead in like a day. Who are you? I'm Kick-Ass. On April 16th. Kick-Ass has inspired a wave of superheroes. I want Kick-Ass's hand on a stick. They can't fly. You want to go fight some crime? Oh, that kind of hurt. They can't see through walls. Playtime's over, kid. I never play. But they can. Bring it on! Kick ass. That's right. We're superheroes. You love us. Rated R. In theaters, April 16th. <laughs> and this this movie is perfectly fun and fine. Mm-hmm. It's just not shocking anymore. And that was that was kind of the sell. Because if you oh, yeah. the Red Band trailer just has Chloe Grace Mortez. She's like fucking... She's under 13. She's, it opens up with her saying, okay, you cunts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, that, that's the big thing I feel like that came out of this movie is Chloe Grace Moretz. It's sort mm-hmm. of her big old debut. And she's great. It's just, yeah, a tiny little girl who kicks the living shit out of people because her dad, Nicholas Cage, has trained her to become a superhero to avenge her mom's death. Yeah. And, yeah, it's constantly swearing and being not incredibly violent scenes with a little girl and it it, it it it's something that should exist today but doesn't because our superhero quota is met now and the yeah. only reason this exists is because like 
I think we're like we're like just off off of a uh, Iron Man and Incredible Hulk. Like that's all Marvel has going for it. The Dark yeah. Knight we series. We have Iron Man two in a couple weeks. Yeah, the, mm. the Dark Knight series is about we're, to conclude. We're just starting. There's those, no interconnected really. comic book universe. The big com- the comic companies can't get their shit together, which means it's the perfect time for this weird thing that Matthew Vaughn and Mark Millar have come up with. And Mark Millar is a fascinating comic book writer. You should read, feel free to like see his name on something and read everything he does. It's always interesting. But this and he, him and Matthew Vaughn, Matthew Vaughn kind of like walked away from X-Men. Uh, this, no, this got him X-Men, kick-ass. Uh, he does, does X-Men first class next year. But they, uh. they sort of realized like, and this is a brilliant thing. And listen to me if you want entertainment advice. Um, basically the last, 20 years, Mark Millar, with now the help of Matthew Vaughn, have been creating movie pitches in the form of comic books. Matthew Mm. Vaughn, the Layer Cake director, worked simultaneously with the launch of this comic, which before the first issue was out, it was option for a movie because it had a director on board helping screenwrite it up. They're mildly different, but they were developed at the same time, as was uh, not necessarily Kingsman. But, like, there is a Millarverse, if you want to get into it. <laughs> it does exist. Wow. I'm uh, looking at some of his work, and you are not kidding. I mean, yeah, Kingsman Secret Service, Wanted, Kick-Ass, Old Man Logan, yeah. oh, Captain America wow. Civil War. Every, everything you have you like wow. about the Avengers is from his ultimate version of the huh. Avengers. Like, that guy made it. And he eventually, like, quit and started, like, making his own shit to then option it for a movie that he then controls. And that's what they're working with with Kingsman now. A franchise that looks like it's based on a comic book, but was kind of developed simultaneously with the comic book. Uh, hmm. With the director on board from the beginning, Matthew Vaughn, who is fucking awesome. And the Kingsman movies are great. Uh, hmm. But it's just, like... I wonder how much longer they'll exist, especially now that Disney has absorbed the Kingsman. What interest do they have in this self-contained comic book universe when they have a giant one that they have to feed mm. on a regular basis? Um, but yeah, just I feel like a, we, we should be overdue for... Uh, DC is now holding the banner of R-rated stuff to compete with Marvel, like Birds of mm-hmm. Prey, Harley Quinn Emancipation, whatever they want to call it, fucking great. Mm-hmm. Her cartoon, great. Loved it. Uh, yeah. But like really leaning in, into that R rating, which makes it now something like your Hancocks and your kick asses can't really do. You can't, mm. you can't come up with a spontaneous unknown superhero property anymore and put it in theaters. That will never, mm-hmm. ever happen again. Mm-hmm. And, and here we are right here. We're like Matthew Vaughn and Mark Millar can take full advantage of this shit. Uh, sorry if I went off on a little rant there, but like, is this no? Movie, that was interesting. This movie's not. This movie is the opposite of bad. It's just, I, it's like it feels unremarkable because it uh-huh. had one poorly received sequel, which also yeah. isn't terrible. But they, they sort of, the creators sort of walked away from it and just gave it over to the, the studio. It, it does feel a little dated the concept of it, and because I remember seeing it when it came out and thinking this kicks ass like this is great you know and it had been a while since we had seen i mean we had hancock um but before that we had like mystery men as Mm -hmm. far as like a ragtag group of superheroes that are just going to try to do what they can to kick ass um but now i wouldn't i there's no reason to go back and revisit it i don't think it's showing you anything that you know but just interesting right now as a comic book fan like this movie's fucking so violent and cursy and then like and then deadpool (laughs) came out and like well, what do you got, mm-hmm. Kickass? Mm-hmm. This is a character I've known for twenty years who's now doing well, your shtick. Part of it with Kickass is that the, it was a little girl. 
it's, it's true. And like, and no one really mm. has much superpowers to speak of. It's right. More of a vigilante no. movie. I, I don't mean to undersell the film because I still think it's it's beautifully. I love Matthew Vaughn. He's really great. Yeah. And, it is. The, the whole movie is is a lot of fun. It is weird. This all this sort of like superhero, not superhero parodies, but mm-hmm. sort of like realistic black yes. comedy type things. Because we'll we'll get super by next year too, which is sort of a similar mm-hmm. idea of just you know, schmuck decides to become superhero. Um, which I haven't seen, but it's James Gunn, and so um, I'm really interested when we get to that one. It's it's uh, a it's a generally bu- it's just a lot of fun. I totally, just it fun. it's a bizarre. I'm it's a not bizarre. Bothered to watch the sequel because the reviews were brutal. Loving mm-hmm. loving superhero movies and comic books as much as I do, it's just a bizarre evolution. Kickass exists because it drags reality into the fantasy of comic books, mm-hmm. and. Now yeah. and some of it the the teenage boy fantasy of it too. That, but, but you know, now, but so now we live in a world where like, like teenage boys that are like losers, and this is their trying to make themselves you know cool or better or something. Just to, to have their loserness be their alter their, their alter ego as opposed to their entire identity. But but part of the grand Marvel experiment was Marvel was always dragging reality back into its fantasy. And then mm-hmm. it put it on screen and it presented itself in a more real way and then had to drag the fantasy in about eight years later, <laughs> had to start getting re- – now we're going to space and confronting giants and magic and multiverses. That shit is about to happen. But we'll look back on like the first 10 years of Marvel. Like these were surprisingly grounded <laughs> mm-hmm. up, until, up until the dimensions and the time shift. Uh, but but sorry. Anyway, Kick Ass is a totally fun movie. If you have a chance to watch it, just do it. It's so much fun. Yeah. And br- that brings us to sorry, Kick Ass. I feel like I did a disservice to Kick Ass. Uh, 2010 TV, uh, April 10th through the 16th. Uh, Tina Fey is hosting SNL with musical guest Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. The big sketch that won the day, and it's kind of funny. Uh, it, basically, I like I. Dude, you will not believe how much Justin Bieber has aged. This is his fucking like comb oh, over yeah. cut uh, preteen era. And mm-hmm. there's a sketch where Tina Fey plays a teacher who's falling in love with her student who is Justin Bieber and sings <laughs> sings to herself about how much he loves her until that becomes an out loud thing. And it, it there were no funny clips from it because it's I, I don't think those kind of things are as funny now as they were, yeah. as they were previously. Um I uh, I went back and looked at because you know a lot of times when she comes back there's often a pretty good weekend update bit oh, yeah. that she does mm-hmm. and I went back and looked because she had a little bit that was like women in the news where she went over like some news articles about ladies and I was kind of shocked by how mean it was like some of the things some of the ways that she was going with the humor was quite harsh to other women mm-hmm. and like calling um, like women whores and stuff you know who were like dressed scantily or whatever and i was just i was really taken aback i feel like i think that's partially because it 10 years has 10 years is to what 30 years was for us back yeah and and, and (laughs) i say tina fey is a great joke writer and by that i mean born and bred into the male dominated joke writing (laughs) apparatus of like 1991 second city mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. punchlines are punchlines and the norm mcdonald crack whore boom instant laugh <laughs> uh, right <laughs> that's kind of what it felt like and it was 
very jarring and interesting to see. She, she didn't. Um, she didn't take over SNL because they wanted to get a female voice in. It's because she right. could deliver the male punchlines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and Tina Fey, I'm saying that is the biggest fan of Tina Fey in the universe. And she's, mm-hmm. I love hearing her talk and berate people <laughs> and evolve and, mm-hmm. uh, and take risks. Cause she, she, she's, I don't know, one of the older lady comedians who like really like, Oh, I cannot believe she said that. And yeah, more so than like any other comedian on Netflix, like shit, Tina Fey just said that. Look, <laughs> uh, but yeah, love Tina Fey. And she's, me too. Me too. It was yeah. just very interesting juxtaposition. I mean, I'm I'm setting up something we're about to talk about, like basketball wives on the 11th. Yes, basketball oh, wives. Yeah. Basketball wives is still near to HB or a, excuse me, a um, VH1 show that follows the wives and girlfriends of professional basketball players. And wow. the first couple seasons were set in Miami, where it followed a bunch of. The partners of basketball men, the only one who I recognized was Shaquille O'Neal's wife, Shawnee O'Neal. If yeah. I would love to hear from people in the comments, uh, uh, lasertimepodcast.com, 302010.net, our Facebook, our Patreon, to see what you think about the show, and then eventually work out a way where, like, if I could buy some of your free time, which you clearly has no value, like, <laughs> like, like, I would love to, like, if you're a big fan of basketball. Look, I say this as a fan of lady reality television programming. It's mm-hmm. just not for you. Yep. I don't like it's women, women with weaves and long nails hmm? sh- with, you know, shoving their hair out of the way and, and talking shit on each other. Pretending to be madder at one another than they really are. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. What's better than that? They are not writing good roles for women. They are, might as well make them up. <laughs> Okay, you might have me there. Yep. Um, but, oh, man, on April 11th, uh, 2010, a, a pretty big show debuts on HBO. Andy Alexander, Rob Brown, Kim Dickens, John Goodman, Melissa Leo, and why not? Oh, Wendell, what's his name? Uh, Bunk. Wendell Pierce. Oh. Wendell Pierce. Pierce. Uh, Treme debuts on HBO. Uh, I still think, like, Netflix was around. This is a really ballsy show to debut in what is it like five years after the hurricane Katrina disaster mm-hmm. and, yep. and, and set it during that and be critical. Like new Orleans was not happy when they announced this show, mm. the, the government was not happy. Like what the fuck mm-hmm. are you going to portray Imagine here? That. Imagine that. Well, I mean like it's not in, I don't know, you've seen all the fucking documentaries. Like it's not entirely the municipal problem of new Orleans. It's this federal horse shit. Uh, and that not a lot of money gets allotted to this place where a lot of people live and is really doomed, like genuinely doomed New Orleans. Uh, mm. Like the, 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 I think the town just south of it has been underwater for 10 years. Uh, mm. So like it, it is doomed. But Treme, like I, I can't imagine a show based on 9-11 coming out five years after the fact in 2006 and running for five years. Right, it just and seems not really being like feel good heroism. Yeah, right? and but that's and this show isn't ground it, level misery. <laughs> and this show isn't either of those really. It, it's it's triumph. It's it's anger. It's uh, and I've only seen the first two seasons. I, I honestly got a, a little like, where is this going? <laughs> this is like mm. so not boring, but like uh, it it's never exciting. But the wire um, wasn't either. And I watched mm. the first two seasons without questioning it. Um, and it's from know. the same people. 
Yeah, I mean, I did not watch Treme. Um, I do have to say, though, more things set in New Orleans, please. Especially yeah. after this is all over and people start making things and start filming things again because New Orleans, I think, is going to need it. Louisiana is being hit very hard. And um, I, it's just my favorite city in the United States. So I want to mm-hmm. see more yeah, of it, it has, all the time. It has a crazy yep. cast. I remember like I was just like, why the fuck is John Goodman here? And I didn't hear – and years later in interviews, like, no, no, I, I met my wife in New Orleans when I was shooting. I live there now. I mm-hmm. am – New Orleans is my fucking home. I love this mm-hmm. city. Uh, it's and, amazing. Yeah, and I like. Yeah. yeah, he will take a pay cut, and he will appear in this small role in this show because, like, New Orleans is super fucking important. And I'm sure there's a ton. I do not mean to. I just John Goodman's the guy I knew. Him and Steve Zahn, um, <laughs> and a bunch of Wirecast members. Yep, I I have to admit I still have not watched this, but this is now part of my quarantine binge watching yeah me too i'll do that just because yeah also because yeah i also just fucking love new orleans and i love david simon and how well he captures a a city and its feeling like in the wire i feel like i got to know baltimore pretty well all kinds of different places in baltimore and new orleans is such a diverse crazy city where there's just so many there's so much history and all of it is represented all over town in all the different wards and all the different mm-hmm. stuff and mm-hmm. you know the music and I love Kermit Ruffins and I know he does a bunch of music for it and <sighs> yeah and I want to go back I've been planning to go back uh, yeah. I got family that lives there and um, yeah I'm, I'm worried because because uh, <laughs> their government is fucking terrible mm-hmm. yeah. I mean not yes. there's necessarily Oh, Louisiana. Louisiana is a fucking lunatic place, and they make terrible decisions on a statewide level all the damn time. The- yeah, I'm – that'll. It, this is going on the quarantine watch list as well because Sam and I were actually sh- – we're supposed to be in New Orleans right now actually Aww. to celebrate our wedding anniversary and to see Gary Goldman do stand-up. And mm-hmm. yeah, we love New Orleans. We got engaged there. We Aww. went on our mini honeymoon there. That's our place. Aww. It's a bummer. And I still Huge never bummer. been. I, but but I, I would only say the difference. I, I watched the first two seasons of The Wire in a time with no smartphones. I just watched it <laughs> and just looked at it and like, like and like and like where is this going? And not until like I was able to talk to another human being about like, dude, that was. F-. And when you take the first two and a half seasons as a whole, like that's fucked up. And I was able to talk <laughs> to someone about it. I jumped back into the series. I've never had that moment with Treme. Like mm. it was just. To me, it was very meandering and like uh, New Orleans is a very strange place that I don't know. Sometimes you got to say you're already underwater. And if you don't pump the water out, maybe you should move is what I'm saying. Like, maybe the government no. should relocate people. No, that is bullshit. By the time Katrina hit, they hadn't finished on the plans that they made from, was it Hurricane Bet- Betsy? For 50 years before. Because of government fuckery. They it's, hadn't even finished there's government systems from that. There's government fuckery, Diana, and there's climate change on the Delta, and that's not – there's that nothing the government can do about it. They will be underwater by the time our grandkids no. are in, in middle school, period. No, there's stuff they can do about it. Maybe, no. but it's incredibly expensive. I'm do, not saying do you don't want to talk about, oh, the, the weather's so bad, you should move. You move to Florida. I know. Mm-hmm. Northern Florida. Where we know hurricanes hit. No, we have a fucking we, year. I live in the taint now. There's a giant dick in the way <laughs> from keeping it hitting the taint. 
it, it should never, or the perennium, or whatever that thing is in between the balls. And, <laughs> and sorry, uh, uh, we, we yeah. I don't want to get sidetracked with filth because we have to talk about uh, on Showtime the 27th annual AVN Awards. <laughs> they actually air these. I uh, apparently on Showtime hosted oh hosted God. by proud porn carnivore David Tell, who I All think right. at the same time had a, a show on Showtime, yes. which is transfixing, called Dave's Old Porn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where where he talks about his favorite old porno movies and brings the fucking stars of those porno movies out no matter how many decades have occurred in between. It, it's one of the weirdest <laughs> ideas for a show I've ever seen in my life. And I love it, David Tell so much. But the AVN Awards occurs. Uh, the winner was, you know, it, w- it was me, obviously. Uh, I won for, Are we all winners? Uh, We're all winners. I won for Biggest Dick in the Universe. And, um, hey, that didn't go over very well. <laughs> uh, I'm, just, I'm really enjoying looking at all the all the categories and all I mean, the winners. So best video feature. So many was, parodies. It's, 20, yeah. it's well, 2010. It's category for parodies, which is my favorite. The best video feature was The Eighth Day. And then for best actor, they have Eric Swiss for Not Married with Children, XXX. And Kimberly Kane, best actress for The Sex Files, a dark XXX parody. Let's not forget the award that will stay evergreen forever and never date, the best ethnic ethnic theme series where yeah. Alexander DeVoe and Jules Jordan took home the award for Black Ass Master, beating out <laughs> uh, Big Fat Apple Bottom Booties, The Black Assassin, Booty Call, Chocolate Sorority Sisters, uh, Newbie Black... <laughs> And round and brown, <laughs> among oh. twenty other nominees, we could read these oh all my day. God, yeah. yeah, I love these parodies, though. Yeah, Sex Files, not the Cosby's Triple X, Thirty Rock, a Triple X parody, Celebrity, Celebrity Apprentice, Ass. <laughs> Everybody Loves Lucy, The Jeffersons, a Triple X parody. Wow, John and Kate fuck eight. And of course, this ain't Star Trek Triple X. This ain't Happy Days Triple X. Uh, Scrubs, a Triple X parody, Pink's Anatomy. Can you believe <laughs> best oral sex scene went to uh, <laughs> Sasha Gray in Throat, a cautionary tale? Oh, <laughs> that sounds scary. It really does. Not something. <laughs> not something I'm terribly worried about because I can breathe through my nose. Mm. Uh, anyway, uh, on oh wow. More dear to my heart. Again, I always, I, I rarely plug Laser Time episodes except for all of them. Uh, yeah. But uh, yes, I love the complete saga of Conan O'Brien's Tonight Show. We didn't get into a lot of this period where TBS announces Conan's new show. Yay! Uh, as Kevin Eubanks TBS will leave the rescue. Ooh, uh, but that Conan is back, and that is very exciting. I was just thinking the other day because I heard On the Road again, and I don't know, like my memory's not great anymore, but I remember Conan's parody of. On the road again, I'm not allowed to do my show again. I'm sharing a bus with 30 other men. Because Conan wasn't allowed to perform on television, so had to do tours like this year. It was crazy and fun. Uh, And now the thing I've been dreading talking about, um, because it was one of the things, I should look into this. I'm the only one who likes South Park here. Uh, I like South Park. South Park has episode 200. Episode 200. And I believe the description we have here is where Mohammed is supposed to appear, uh, causes threats from uh, radical Muslim groups, resulting in Comedy Central censoring the conclu- conclusion in episode 201. We we just did an episode on lost media, right? On Laser Time. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I, 
either I watch like I don't know. I, I'm not like the biggest South Park fan in the world. I tune in occasionally if I'm around a TV at like after ten o'clock. I'll try out Comedy Central. I can't other than if they're not, if it's not incredibly topical. I can't distinguish where this is from. I thought I was here for South Park's 200, and it mm. is like a really good thing for fans to see. Uh, they they go to a a chocolate factory and Tom Cruise is there packing fudge and they call him like, what are you doing here? Packaging fudge. Are you a fudge packer? And he gets really mad and runs off and he goes off and combines every celebrity South Park has ever made fun of (laughs) Paris Hilton coughs up cum on Mel Gibson's real face. George Lucas and Spielberg are there with Harrison Ford in a gimp mask. (laughs) Um, Like Sally Struthers is still jab of the hut. It's everyone they've ever made fun of. To celebrate their 200. It is neat if you've seen the show. But I, I was like, oh, I should check that out. The show is gone. This is mm. one of the – of everything South Park has ever done, this is the only thing that's pulled. You cannot – apparently it's on the DVD. Um, but there – if you've never heard it, there's a uh, – they do mini commentaries on the DVD. Three quarters of that is one long bleep. Um <laughs> So, and, and part of that is uh, from uh, emphasized by this clip uh, in relation to what I just explained to you. But you can't watch this on Hulu. You can't get it on iTunes. Uh, if you're outside of America, you can't get it at all outside of piracy. Uh, I tried to look it up on YouTube, but it's it's separated in parts, and some of the parts are removed, and some aren't. Uh, it's censored different places, and it's just odd that like South Park's 200 episode is the hardest episode to find. It is not officially available in any capacity uh, outside mm-hmm. of I think maybe American DVD. Seriously, but uh, this is part of the reason why uh, all the celebrities who South Park has made fun of Ben Affleck, Jennifer Lopez, uh, they <laughs> they team up with Tom Cruise to create a Scientology caliber lawsuit to. to take down South Park in a class action lawsuit, but they have one demand. Okay, people, I know, I know, but he will get the other celebrities to withdraw their lawsuit if we just get Muhammad to appear in South Park. Are you nuts? If Muhammad appears in South Park, we get bombed. That's right. Yeah, we don't know that. Maybe enough time has passed that now it's okay to show Muhammad. Dude, I can't believe we are dealing with this Muhammad thing again. But even if it were safe now for Muhammad to come, how, how would we ever find him? Yeah, showing an image of him is completely off-limits and censored. So nobody has ever seen what Muhammad looks like. I saw him once. <laughs> and Stan, that's the funny joke, is that Stan did see him once, because South Park has put Muhammad on the air several times, but nobody cared. But there were some current event news stories. And I don't want to be a South Park apologist because it's just like Seth MacFarlane had a great quote like, "Eh, pick your battles. Choose how important a joke is. Yeah. But it's uh, during the Cartoon Wars episode from, I think, five years ago where they made fun of Family Guy. They did the same thing and and Comedy Central made them take out references of Muhammad. And that was then that Trey Park and Matt Stone says – why can't we show Muhammad? He's like, because it's, it's against the rules. He's like, but we already did on accident. Right. And, and, and no one said right. anything. Well, he's, in, he's in the super best friends. Yes. With Jesus it, and Buddha and Krishna and Moses. It had been airing for over a decade and no one cared. And, that, and I think that's every single bit of this controversy brought out the ugliest in everyone. Everyone. Mm. And, and everyone who weighed in on this in any way should be embarrassed, <laughs> in my opinion. 
Well, I just uh, it, why why bother? Why were they bothering to do this? I I don't understand. Well, they're, they're, just they're, they're poking the bear for what reason exactly? They are saying well, we're going to show Muhammad. We're going to show Muhammad, but really they they're constantly not showing him. It's like oh no, he's in the back of that U-Haul. They they are South Park, and and they're him, they're built they're built week there. they're built week to week. So they painted themselves in a corner and had a week to resolve it. And mm. pretty much the idea was to like. <laughs> acknowledge every controversy that South Park has ever brought up in the 200th episode. And they do. Right. And, and that yeah, being, but they end up, that's no one remembers that part. They just remember them constantly being like, oh, yeah, we're yeah. about to show them. We're you, about to show them. You get them. to find out who Cartman's real dad is after like the fucking 12th episode. But it, it was, it was more good. I'm not going to defend Trey Barker, Matt Stone, because they are like, they run up against like, sometimes you guys are geniuses and give me like it, the exact antidote to the world's, gobbledygook that I need other times you are petulant fucking children and they're not picking a fight with Islam they're picking a fight with Comedy Central and and sorry that's why that, this is the thing I thought that would go on too long and, and, and be too silly but like you might have been on Reddit and you might have been taken part of the International Cartoonist League acknowledged draw Mohammed day that occurred out of this which is also an ugly yeah. response and, and like everybody came out of this looking horrible <laughs> Mm. And, and I can't believe of everything South Park's done, these are the two episodes you cannot get. Everything. Wow. Including Scientology lawsuits and slander and like uh I guess I guess I'm not that surprised. But but <laughs> but yeah, you, you can you still cannot they aired once in America. A lot of most of the territories, especially ones that had events to be worried about, didn't air this at all. You may have never seen it. You may not even know these episodes exist. Right. And some of it is is the differing understanding of offensive yeah that, you know islam it is offensive to depict the prophet period doesn't mm-hmm. matter how he's depicted you're mm-hmm. not supposed to depict him mm-hmm. or his family period but like in christianity yeah you can depict jesus but if you depicted him like sucking off judas people wouldn't be incredibly offended so like they're, they're using the wrong standard for mm-hmm. Well, that's not offensive. You're just showing the there guy. Who cares? The, the, the oh, bill, the, the bill, Mar- Muslims is crazy. It's like no, because you're depicting him in a way that they consider offensive the, by doing it at all. The Bill Maher principle of I'm not offended by it, therefore no one should be. Right, and, right. <laughs> which is which is silly. And, yeah, yeah. And and, and and we're all, I think, a little more uninformed, and I, I don't think it's the kind of thing that South Park would do any because it's just not fucking funny. At the end of the day, yeah, it's not funny. Yeah. I would love to talk more about South Park in a podcast capacity, but I'm not going to defend everything Trey Parker and Matt Stone have ever done because it's impossible. Mm. And yeah. maybe I should stop and we should somehow pivot to the ugly Betty finale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. So ugly Betty was a really cute show. Made yeah. it four seasons. American Ferrara, America Ferrara, uh, Vanessa Williams. Um, it was adorable. And, you know, I'm always worried about remakes of foreign stuff. Like I said, with Death at a Funeral, you know, Betty LaFea is a pretty fun show. A couple episodes I've seen, you know, in the original Spanish. And Ugly Betty was adorable. It was so much fun. It was, you know, like Devil Wears Prada with like a real, but, you know, no Anne Hathaway. And, 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 and <laughs> I... I love when I when I learned that this was an import, like a or a, an export of a, a Spanish show, and that it, it ran for much longer, and it's had spinoffs in a fucking long running animated series for mm-hmm. Ugly Betty in really? Spanish. There's yes. a Betty Lafayette cartoon. There is an Ugly Betty animated series. Yeah, no kidding. 
Yeah. Like, it's it's this huge phenomenon, uh, but here it was sort of like a blip in pop, like a, a sizable blip in pop culture, but just a short four or five year one. Yeah. And I just really love America Ferreira. She's just mm-hmm. such a great actress, really good at playing the straight man, mm-hmm. which she almost always does. Well, and I guess not an ugly Betty, actually. She didn't, but I'm thinking of her more now. I watch Superstore, and she's very, very good on Superstore. She's hmm. kind of always playing the straight man to that. But, yeah, she's the best. I remember the first time I saw her was in 2002 in Real Women Have Curves. And mm-hmm. um, ever since then, I just find her to be a just one of the best parts of everything that she does. And she was also yeah. uh, a voice on How to Train Your Dragon, which we just That's talked true. about. Yep. Okay, here's something I did not realize. The original uh, Colombian telenovela, Yo Soy Betty La Fea, one season, 156 episodes. So, so the production schedule. <laughs> How does that make any sense? That's like the, the Adam West Batman production schedule. Holy shit. Well, I mean, it's a telenovela that's basically a soap opera, right? Yeah. It goes every day. It probably goes like every day. day. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Every day. All right. Uh, and I believe that translates to I am ugly Betty. <laughs> yeah, I'm Betty the ugly one. I'm Betty the ugly one. Wow, that's mean. Mm-hmm. On the 15th, um, Comedy Central bid adieu to two shows, by the way, that broke record, uh, broke ratings debuts. Like mm-hmm. the highest rated debut of any new program, but was gone in like three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, desperately hoping for another Chappelle show. Uh, important things to Dimitri Martin, which is two twee for me and also one time dimitri martin gave me a really dirty look in public uh it wasn't his fault it's just like somebody just i just yelled in the distance like hey that's dimitri martin and i was just i was already staring in that direction and he just looks at me holding his baby like leave me alone like like your hair's cut i'm not even sure if this is you i don't know who you are fuck Wait, off did man you yell it or someone no else someone yelled else yelled it like and, and like oh. but he like the, you know that, that Ron Artest incident, I got punched by his eyeballs. Like, <laughs> as if I said it, and I didn't, because I don't care. I didn't recognize him until someone yelled it. Used by uh, looking and yelling at Dimitri Martin. I don't care about his post-ironic picture pages any fucking way. I am a man who loves the Sarah Silverman program. Yes. A black uh, face and all. So funny. <laughs> but I don't know, what like, if uh, I, this is a terrible recommendation and I, I don't like talking about drugs here, but heroin. No. But I, I talked a little <laughs> about weed and Adventure Time. When I was learning to love weed again after like 15 years of like not touching it and like trying to relax, control my high blood pressure, sleep at night a little better, the Sarah Silverman program became my favorite fucking thing in the universe. There is nothing funnier to me in the universe than... Brian Poston hanging from a tree while a bird shits diarrhea in his face and he's just like, ah, ah, ah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so fucking funny. And I didn't know this, that like the show was expensive and that logo ponied up the money for the third season. That's the only reason we got a third season. Really? Oh. Logo. Logo, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm trying to remember who, it was either Steve Agee or Brian Poston. If you remember on the show, they're a couple. Yes. A, a yeah. sexless gay couple. Yes. And, in terms of representation, you had a lot of like well gelled, svelte gay people on television, but they, but I think it was Brian Poston or now Steve Agee that this is like a lot of gay guys wrote them and like we have never seen ourselves on television. The yeah. schlubby, yeah. I look like every guy in the office gay guy, and I'm dating a guy who looks just like me. <laughs> I love and, that. Yeah. It, it showed yeah. us 
it showed us as a society a certain genre of gay man that is not often depicted. And yes. There's One will have Just needless. Everyday schlubs. Yeah. yeah. Have, who will have needless arguments over tab soda and uh, find an <laughs> iPod filled with two princes. I, I, this show is like is so surreal and weird and funny. I, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's all over like every mm-hmm. streaming service. And it's mm-hmm. very short. Um, and dude, it's like it was the perfect relaxing comedy to get high to. It is just cartoony mm-hmm. enough. It is just lazy enough. It is mm-hmm. just surreal enough. It's fucking well, great. And it's yeah. all bright colors and she dresses like a little boy. And it's just <laughs> yeah, I love it too. Yeah, I, yes. I, I I love pointing that out on the on the cover of the first DVD. She is wearing the same shirt as Steven Universe. <laughs> it's a pink shirt with a star on it. Sorry, <sighs> games of 2010. I've prolonged the segment enough with my Comedy Central horse shit. Um, hey, look, I'm not. I I am also uh, guilty of things I wish I hadn't done as taste change because sure. I reviewed the game Tom Clancy Splitter Cell Convention Conviction, and you can look it up on Games Radar. My header was a gif of a woman being slapped because i had i had never seen it in the game before and it was out of nowhere (laughs) and i was just like this is the silliest thing i've seen in a game and now i went and looked up the root like oh fuck i did that i put that in the world (laughs) thank god i can't be fired (laughs) uh or yeah but i can't be canceled uh and except for the patron patreon.com slash uh but but yeah this game came out it was supposed to be the return this return to form for sam fisher uh and kind of a more um i want to say mainstream splinter cell conviction game and i was uh, pretty disappointed by and i still gave it an eight uh gta episodes from (laughs) liberty city dlc uh finally comes to ps3 and pc one of my favorite games ever comes to xbla final fight double impact along with magic sword and sam and max the devil's playhouse episode one on everything but xbox 360 We'll talk about that on the video game show, patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, once again, thanks to Adam Foote and our many other fine patrons who keep the entire Laser Time network going, including 302010, Laser Time, Video Game Apocalypse, and the brand new uh, exclusive to Patreon show, Sick of Star Wars. Got a big, giant Phantom Menace episode up this week. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, boy. It's, it's going to be weird and angry and yelly, but... It's Phantom Menace. It was it was a sixteen year disappointment. So what are you going to do? <laughs> and also, it's still better than what they did. Rise of Skywalker. Never mind. Never mind. You can listen no. to that there. Um, uh, listen to Laser Time this week. We have uh, a couple like Diana and Sarah joined us for a show. But what's your? I want to get more feedback on that. What's your favorite movie made from before you were born and why? I thought that would be an interesting question. While we're all at home watching stuff, <laughs> like mm-hmm. how did you get exposed to this? preferably non-Disney thing um, and end up watching it over and over again. It's usually your parents and it's usually a sweet story or it's something you recorded off cable. Um, And those are things that I don't know exist anymore. And then we have uh, Sammy and I did a, I did a thing about uh, how the coronavirus is impacting the uh, entertainment industry. And I was fascinated by it and it continues to evolve and I'm maybe we'll update it. We're not going to cover deaths or fucking respiratory illnesses. So we might as well cover pop culture stuff that relates to the coronavirus in our current COVID quarantine. Am I, I'm talking, I don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> I don't want to talk anymore. You talk, Diana. Okay. Well, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at listenernerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast302010podcast. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. You want to talk about some deaths and births? I do want to talk yeah. about some deaths and births. All right. Well, 
for Jess this week that uh, we lost during the show, not counting. Ugh, Adam Schlesinger and John Prine. Why are the good musicians dying? It's fucking weird. It's not fair. Anyway, I, I saw that the, um, the SNL music director died of COVID, and his last mm-hmm. tweet was like, "Ah oh, man, my buddy John Prine has COVID. Everyone give him oh. give him a holler." And like that's this is like this this has become the saddest thing ever, and it's already pretty sad. Uh, it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, go listen to John Prine and uh, Adam Schlesinger some Fountains of Wayne. Really funny mm-hmm. and really good music. Anyway. During the week of April 10th to the 16th, we lost, in 1990, we lost Greta Garbo. She was 84 and had been retired for like a, I don't know, 60 years or something, like yeah, a jillion, billion years. I can't even she imagine her as a real like, person. I'm done. Wow. Man, she's like, I'm done. And she just like became very secretive, just lifted in her apartment and minded her own business and didn't want to be bothered by fame hounds or whatever. And then uh, in 2000, we lost Larry Linville, who is only 60. Uh, he played Frank Burns on MASH on the TV show. Mm-hmm. And we lost Edward Gorey, who is 75. Did the Gashley Crumb, that Gashley Crumb Tinies, and uh, every the the old opening to uh, Mystery on Masterpiece Theater. Mm-hmm. I would always tune in just to watch that opening. Me too. I and I, I did not realize until I got older that I was really. I would see Edward Gorey stuff and I was always super drawn to it. And then it made the connection watching mystery with my parents and then loving Edward Gorey later on for years. My Christmas cards have been Edward Gorey Christmas cards <laughs> are very dark and not very cheery at all, which I really enjoy. And yeah, I just, I love everything Edward Gorey. And when yeah. he died, he left all his money to a charitable trust for cats and dogs. Oh, I know. <laughs> That's so sweet. I know. I love him. Oh. All right. You ready for birthday quiz? Birthday quiz! Oh, birthday is a doodly-doo. A ding-dong doodly-doodly ding-dong doo. A birthday Okay. Well, this is not the quiz, but shout out, knock on wood, unless something horrible happens. Uh, April 12th, Beverly Cleary will be 104. What? Yeah. Oh my god. Beverly Cleary, who did what? Mouse on the motorcycle and Ramona. Uh, Jelly Belly. Ramona, Ramona and Beezus, all yeah. those. Yeah. She's born in 1916, oh y'all. I love her so much. I know. She's, so a, she's alive? Never <laughs> yes. She will be 104. Like I said, knock on wood, April 12th, she will be 104. No wonder no one's been pulling my Beverly Cleary pull list at the comic store. But then, our actual birthday quiz is remember how last week we had Kristen Stewart turning 30? We have another lady turning 30, someone who was born during this podcast. Born April 15th, 1990 in Paris. Florence, she moved. No. She moved to Oxford at age five, and at six, she decided she wanted to act. Um, For her big first professional role, which was pretty high profile, she had to audition eight times. But now, 10 years later, she has a lifetime gross of $7 billion. Emma Watson. It is a Watson. Boom! Good job. Boom. In your face, Sarah Bear. Yep. I take it back. Bad job. Suck all the dicks <laughs> on your way to loser town. Yep. Oh, uh, I should mention, she was Woman of the Year in British GQ in 2013. In the time 12015, she addressed the UN. She launched an online feminist book club, a legal hotline for men being sexually harassed, and models for Lancome and Burberry. Also, the primary school she attended, the Dragon School. What? That's impossible. That's impossible. 
So you're saying yeah. it was it was it was like oh god she's skull and bones her way into this fucking Harry Potter franchise. I don't care. <laughs> she I'm was mad. already at Hogwarts, I'm y'all. They just discovered her there. I'm mad. Yeah, she's only thirty. Wow. Did all that. Damn. Good for her. Good for her. I still haven't seen Perks of Being a Wallflower, but I hear it's wonderful. Yeah. And that That's is. Part- that is it for us. Uh, we're going to close out with 9-1-1 is a joke, not nine eleven is a joke. That would change the meaning. <laughs> By public enemy off yep. of Fear of a Black Planet, which let every one of us know that nine one one uh doesn't respond well in poor neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know this at the time. Because I lived in uh, uh what was it, just just south of affluent neighborhood. I'm like, oh, they always come to my house. And you live in a big city and the cops can get there in five seconds? No. Not the case, according to Flava Flav, because this is his big jam. <laughs> this is yep. his cause. Mm-hmm. Um, and then plenty of people have joked later other times where, oh, it turns out he needed to call 911, and they did show up, and oh, didn't he feel silly? And it's like, uh, no, because he was making a point. <laughs> the cops get a call. They heard gunshots in Compton. Yeah, they'll show up whenever. But thank you guys so much for listening. Please tune in next week. It's going to be so much fun with a lot less South Park talk because uh, there's at least a week <laughs> in between the repercussions. Uh, and and patreon.com slash laser time if you want more. Uh, 302010 Star Wars or Laser Time. Check out the rest of our shows. Maybe tell a friend about us. Please stay safe. Uh, please be careful. Please take care of yourself. Bye. I call because be left you while you're calling on your name or to the stream so go to lamp thinking you are first when you're really a dim you better wake up and smell a real flavor because 911 is a fake lifesaver so get up and get 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 down 911 is joking your town get up and get 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 down